wake up, wake up, 49er fans, and this should be your best wake up since, what, 2019? The 49ers are in the Super Bowl with a 27-7 second half outscoring the Lions. They have found their way to Las Vegas. You have found yourself back here with Damon Bruce and Larry Kruger, and welcome. Larry, quick turnaround. Would you would you make it back to the creek about 1.30, 2 a.m. last night? Oh, can't hear you. Oh, my God. Then watching the game again, uh, falling asleep, sitting up, watching the game. I mean, bleary-eyed, contact lenses. Oh, oh, my God. What a night. What a freaking night. Amazing game. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Dan Campbell because Dan Campbell deserves a major assist. All Dan Campbell had to do was go kick a couple field goals or hand the ball to David Montgomery, and he couldn't do it. He could not do it. And Brock Purdy, I went. I, I don't do this a lot, but I went up to him. So we had the presser. We talked to him in the presser, and then we all went to the locker room, and he's just standing there at his locker, and I'm like, man, I, I, I'll go over and talk to him. And um, what an incredible night. I mean, just to uh, just what a great kid. Um, and he's like, you know, he's calling me, sir. He's like, can you believe that, sir? Can you believe that? I'm like, sir, come on, man. I'm like 17 down, 17 down to come back in the, in the running. And I mean, just, you know, what can you say? What like, can you say? Hey, 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 feel free to call me Mr. Larry Kruger. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean it was a, an amazing night. I talked to, um, Aaron Banks in the locker room. Did an extended interview with him. Talked to um, Chris Kasarek in the locker room. Did an extended lock, uh, interview with him. And the one thing that Banks said, Damon, really resonated. He's like, you know what? We came in at half and nobody was panicking, but it was like guys were kind of pissed. And it was like, dude, we are not going out like that. And um, they came out. I mean, you could tell in that third quarter the way the Niners took the ball to begin the second half really was like, you know, we're, you haven't gotten the best of us yet. I mean, and they, they wind up settling for a Jake Moody, 43 yard field goal to make it 24, 10. But I thought the, the, the crucial mistake and tell me if you think this was it. I, I thought the crucial mistake was Dan Campbell. Um, it's third and goal from the six and golf goes to Gibbs for three yards they're fourth and goal from the two with 10 seconds left. They're up at that point, 21 to seven. If they go up 28, seven there, it is such a absolute deflator. You could feel the game hanging by a thread. The 49ers don't have the crowd into it or anything. And they get the fourth and goal from the two. And you've got Montgomery who is ripping off 6.8, a carry that you get, you're going for like nine yards a play in the first half. And you settle for a Michael Badgley field goal at the end of a 17 play drive. If you had punched it in there and it's 28, seven, man, it is freaking ball game. But instead he goes for it with the field goal makes it 24, seven. And then the Niners get the field goal coming out of the half, and all of a sudden it's 24-10, and you're thinking, you know. And then he goes for it on fourth and two at the 28 instead of kicking the field goal there. And it's like, okay. Well, Larry, he kicked the field goal 
when he shouldn't have and passed on kicking the field goal when he should have. Right. I know that sounds like we're kind of just ripping him either way, but it's different scenarios. And the way Montgomery was running, you know, and and you're known as a go-for-it guy. And to me, to go for the field goal there going into the half, really was a, the first mistake. And then you see Campbell wrestling with the decision. You saw it right over the TV on the broadcast. He was painfully thinking about what do I do? What do I do? He left his, his offense out on that field for his de- entire decision-making process. And Fox had the camera right on him. And then you finally see him, you know, do this. In other words, we're, we're going for the field goal. And look, he, he at times managed that game like a drunk kid playing Madden, where he's like, I'm, you know, I'm just going for it. I'm just going to go for it the entire time. But look, that is what got the Lions to the game. Dan Campbell was 17 to 20 on fourth and short this season. What he did was, it, it, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, what he didn't have happen often was Reynolds dropping two huge drops, Gibbs with that fumble. I mean, there are a lot more than just the Dan Campbell decisions that went into that comeback. But, you know, Niners history is dotted with moments the catch, the catch, too. Um, that eight minute stretch where they put up 17 unanswered right out of the rip is right. one of the, I mean, I, I don't know what Niner fans want to end up calling that the eight minutes, the third quarter, the, I mean, I don't know, but it's one of the single greatest momentum grabs and game changing swings we've ever seen in a postseason game. The 49ers erased the largest halftime deficit in NFC championship history to reach the Super Bowl. My goodness. Well, not only that, Damon. So, I mean, it's amazing how fast it all happened. Okay, so as you said, um, you know, the Niners score the field goal, then Detroit gets the ball back. They go for it on fourth and two and don't get it. So then you're thinking, wait a second. Now it's it's a 14-point game, and the Niners have the ball. It's still early third quarter. Then he goes up top immediately to Ayuk against Vildor, and Ayuk makes this amazing catch. Purdy goes to Ayuk on third and goal from the six with a six yard touchdown pass. Great window throw too. That yeah. was that that was the, maybe the best throw of the night. To be honest, that was exactly that was a, maybe his best throw. Then Gibson gets the forced fumble and Armstead falls on it. And still, to me, one of the hugest plays is they go to Kittle on first down at the twenty four on the next play after the fumble, negative yardage. So now they're second and eleven. Second and 11 from the 25, and, and at this point, if you can't turn that that Gibson fumble into a touchdown, it almost would feel like Detroit was getting momentum back. Totally. And Purdy ran on second and 11 from the 25, down 21-yard run to the four for the first down. Lamar Purdy. That Lamar Purdy. was freaking huge. Because that almost guaranteed they were going to score the touchdown and tie the game, which they did. And then the Lions went three and out on the next drive. Um, and, and they had been running it at will. And what do they do on the next drive? Two out of their three pass plays were pass plays. So, you know, it, that, to me, that was amazing. Um, and then, you know, to get the ball back with 201 left in the third quarter um, and you know, I mean, Purdy then takes two sacks late in that drive, and they settle for the field goal by Jake Moody uh, to make it uh, 27-24. And you're like, oh, man, I still think, you know, not 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and the Lions start that drive. And you're thinking, okay, they're going to they're gonna 
you know, they're going to go down and, and make something happen or run the ball out. So then it gets to first and 10 on that drive from the 47 of their, of their own, right? They run Montgomery for a first down. He goes for 16 yards. Damon, in my mind, I'm thinking after that play, they can just run this at will and control the clock and, you know, drive down, score maybe one more touchdown and win by four. Next play, flea flicker, and it goes incomplete. And I'm like, and then go off over through Gibbs. I I set the over under at one and a half flea flickers in the overhead, baby. I mean, Dan Campbell. How do you go flea flicker after you just ran for 16 yards and you've got Montgomery and Gibbs? All you got to do is ride that duo to the finish line and you're starting to get fancy with flea flickers. And oh my God, right there, I was like, this guy, this this offensive coordinator is either a genius or an idiot uh, because that was just absolutely crazy uh, to not stay with the run there. And then fourth and three from the 37, Goff throws incomplete, but he was on the run. It's like, what, you're, Jared, you're running the ball at will. You get to fourth and three. Do you hand it to Montgomery? No. You, yeah. You, you, you have Goff on the run. I mean, it was unbelievable, unbelievable turnaround. There were some really interesting to be second guessed forever choices from Dan Campbell. Uh, there were some plays that the Lions absolutely left on that field, and that wasn't Dan Campbell's fault. I mean, the players got to play, but I mean, the, the golf on one of the fourth downs where he should have run the ball, he threw a perfect pass, and his wide receiver just dropped it. I mean, it was it it, it was it was an awful lot of of luck that went into the 49ers coming back in that game as much as it was them grabbing momentum and seizing the moment and capitalizing on all those big moments. And then the lions, again, it's not very often a run first, second and third football team abandons the run when it's up by about 20 points in the second half of an NFC title game. But that's kind of what happened. And you think about Larry, how devastating, this all really is. And, you know, we're, we're, we're here to cover everything that happened uh, through the, you know, through, through the prism of the 49ers and they're in the Super Bowl. And isn't that exciting, everyone? But just for a minute, look at what the Lions just blew. Oh, look at what the Lions just blew. There's a very good chance that that is the only great chance they're ever going to have to get to a Super Bowl. How are you going to find a better chance than that? How are you going to find it? The Lions, I mean, how high is your probability of going to the Super Bowl when you're up 24 to 7 at halftime of the NFC Championship game? I don't know if the Lions in their franchise's history will ever be in a more advantageous situation to get to a Super Bowl than that. Yeah. No, it was there. It was absolutely there for them. And Dan Campbell gagged so bad. But I will say this, too. It was a combination of Campbell gagging and Purdy just rising in the moment. To me, the 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 other one. So he had three scrambles towards the end, but the the Niners' drive that they got the ball back in the fourth quarter with seven and a half minutes to play, up three. They start on their own thirty. They run CMC for seven yards. Purdy uh, Purdy bootleg passes to Debo for eight on second and two. Then they run CMC for two yards on first and ten from the 45 then Purdy goes to CMC for a short pass on second and eight 
It's third and four, Damon, from from basically midfield, the 49-yard line. And this was where this game was absolutely won by Purdy. This is where this guy's really special. He scrambled for 21 on third and four to make it first and 10 on the 28. Next play, CMC runs for 25 down to the three. And then Shanahan puts in Elijah Mitchell, who's so good in short yardage, even though he's a small guy. And he goes in to make it 34-24. Well, and, and Caffrey asking out, it looks like, I mean, he came down square on his neck. And, yeah. um, you know, oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He put the finger up, get me out for one play. And Kyle did that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's, he wasn't, yeah, they would have stayed with with, with uh, CMC there. Been three touchdowns. Third and four from Purdy to scramble on third and four for 21. The decisiveness, I mean, it was just like, you know what? There's money on the table. I'm a competitor, and I don't care how big I am or this or that, how fast I am or whatever. I am I want it, and I'm going for it. And that was just – Shanahan said when he was asked in the lock, in the uh, at the presser after the game about Purdy's running, he's like, you know, what was the impact of Purdy's running? And he's like, it was the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, I don't think he's exaggerating. I thought the other Purdy, the or the other play that just showed Purdy's medal was when he basically had a sack roll off of him, and then he finds Kyle Uzcheck for about a nine yard gain, and Uzcheck is the you know tippy toeing it over on the sideline. Oh, yeah, that was another play. just Purdy extending a play that probably should have been buried for a five yard sack. And the, the dude, the kids just got, I mean, what is it? I don't know it. I, I, I can't describe it, but I know it when I see it. And there's a lot of people in the media who either like Ryan Clark were just lying to themselves or they just, <laughs> yeah, they, they, whatever. Can't see it. they can't see it. And I don't know why they can't see it. Maybe it's a, just a bias against the player, the franchise, the, the talking point that gets you the most amount of attention. I, I don't know, but it, it, you think that it looks accidental. Like if you, you know, if you watch it once, you're like, ah, wow, this guy got kind of fortunate. And then you realize, you know what? No, no, it's not fortune. He's processing what he sees. He's, you know, he's not a perfect player and he does, you know, the interception to Malcolm Rodriguez was bad. I mean, it was predictable too. I saw it. I mean, kind of, he kind of took a hit on the play and he kind of rushed it uh, and he didn't, you know, there's nothing on the ball and just floated. Uh, it was bad. It was definitely bad, but it's like the guy makes a lot of plays and, um, you know, the, the, the poise under pressure, the interesting thing about, about the game, I thought was that Purdy in talking about the game was like, yeah, we really, um, looking forward to this game. It's a new game, you know, new week. And he's like, it's going to be really important that we, you know, something like control the momentum. And then sure enough, I mean, this game was so much about momentum. Um, once the momentum shifted to the Niners, you just felt like Detroit got tight. Well, and that stadium got loose and loud. Oh, and wow. it was really the, loud. Look at it this way is Levi Stadium's greatest nemesis. Let me tell you, last night was the first night Levi Stadium really roared to life as the home of the San Francisco 49ers. By the way, they are undefeated in the postseason at Levi Stadium, so I guess that place needs to, you know, get that labeled as something that has happened there. You gotta t- you, come back, come on over, Damon. Yeah. Be, be a fan of Levi's. Eh. 
you know, architectural disaster to this day. But hey, when you're winning games, nobody notices that the stadium looks like it's still under construction. Anyway, um, it, it, it was an unbelievable night for the Niners, for Niner fans. There were parties all over San Francisco that raged early into the morning. Larry, you and I both look like we raged early into the morning. Wow. Half of our chat is like, I'm working home. I'm working from home today. By the way, this isn't just a show for the people. It's a show for the Bay Area media elite as well. The one and only Sal Castaneda is in the chat room this morning. Sal Castaneda is here, the pride of Reardon High School. Here he is. He says, I like Larry, except for that St. Ignatius part. That's his comment this morning. <laughs> Um, but look, it is so good to have you. They here. hate us because they ain't us. Oh boy. Jeff G has become a member over on the plus side of this. So thank you very much, Jeff. You are now part of the initiated. You get a little clap for that, for joining. Thank you very much. Sal Castaneda doing it for the clicks. That's I'm telling you, that's what <laughs> people are doing Sally. They're just looking for attention. And since they don't have enough interesting stuff to talk about on their own, they have to make up lies about your 49ers. And I'll tell well, you, Rock it's, Bird, it's, 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 it's an industry. Play. Let's be honest. Let's yeah. be honest, Damon. God, Everybody you. who's ripped Brock Purdy gets a ton of attention. Mm -hmm. And if you need a little attention, hanging out on a Saturday night, and nobody's paying attention to your ass, talk Brock Purdy on your phone. Suddenly you can make yourself a public, you know, enemy number one with Niner fans for, you know, 14 hours on Twitter. It works, I'm, I'm, and I'm you'll not. get followers, and you'll get subscribers, and you'll get the. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. It's like if you couldn't see that this guy was good last year, fine. If you couldn't see that this guy was good this summer, okay, fine. If you couldn't see that Brock Purdy was good after about six or seven weeks of this year's regular season, you're you don't you're not seeing it now you're, you're not seeing it now you're trying to not like the guy right exactly <laughs> and if you're if you're ripping him like ryan clark and amy trask are at the end of this year when he's 20 and 5 i mean it's like you're just obstinate you're looking for a fight or you have certain issues that are beneath the surface that you need to address well and look i'm not saying that brock purdy is great but the great ones make it look easy don't they they always have the great ones make it look like, well, anybody could do that. And isn't that one of the number one things that you hear about Brock Purdy? Well, any other quarterback could have done that in Kyle's system, even though we've seen quarterback after quarterback fail in Kyle's system, um, you know, and, and just to watch what this kid has done with the opportunity that was handed to him through hard work and patience and a little bit of luck and a Trey Lance injury. Um, it's, it's just amazing to see where they were and where they are again, going back to the Super Bowl. You could see the look of stress on Kyle Shanahan's face in that first. He, he aged a year in that first half alone. And then he actually Detroit looked awesome. Oh, Larry. I mean, you know, when you have the right to be really concerned about how this day is going to go for my football team, when you're getting blown off the line and the 49ers spent that entire first half getting their backs blown out. I mean, Hargrave was, was supposed to dominate. He got dominated, really dominated. I mean, like, like embarrassed, physically embarrassed in the game. Um, how important was, how important was it to go to Jair Brown? Oh, yeah. if they had stayed with Logan Ryan, they don't win this game. They're not winning that game. 
Look at it this way. If they're getting seven yards of pop with Brown in there, what is it without him? (laughs) Brown had 10 tackles, lots of physical hits. He was, he was terrific. Yeah, no, it's, it's an, it was an amazing night for sure. And, and one that you'll, you'll never forget because of the momentum shift and the magnitude of that game. They were literally dead. I had, I had people sitting around me saying, well, so much for Vegas and at least we won't have to go to Vegas and all this talk. And I'm just like, what, what loser says out loud, at least we won't have to go to Vegas. Ryan Leong. Who says that? (laughs) Ryan Leong, who also announced by the way, that, that him and your wife share a birthday and then, and I'm sorry. Then he asks me, he's like, you know, Damon, don't you? And I'm like, dude, if, if if I die, I'm going to kill you. I, I can't have people talking down uh, around me in, uh, you know, first of all, I just can't, I just can't. I mean, remember, was, remember, remember when Bruce McGowan used to do his Richard Nixon impression for three innings in a row, <laughs> I, sitting there in a Brucey, I love Brucey Bruce, too, but oh but my God, there's been so like, many times I've told Brucey to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, dude, Brucey, I love you. I love you. Uh, you know, I love you. I love your wife. I love your daughter. I love your entire everything about you. Please shut the fuck up. Oh, dude. Don't make me, don't make me kill you. The amount of Bay Area media that goes to games to just kind of like hang out and that's their social network or something like they're not really working as much as they're working the room. It's (laughs) yeah. Oh. It's, it's it is amazing. It is amazing. But um, I, I was getting so pissed. I was like, dude, I, I got to the point where he was asking me questions, like basic questions like, you know, you know, Damon's Damon and Damon's wife, don't you, Larry? And I'd be like. Yes, I'm, I wouldn't even talk. I wouldn't even talk. I was just like, I, if I say one word, I'm going to I'm I'm going to blow up at this guy. Well, so I'm you like, know, uh, let me just finish with this. Happy birthday, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, seriously, a happy seriously. birthday and happy birthday to my wife who uh, got a hell of a birthday present from her hometown team. The San Francisco 49ers what a win. are going to the Super Bowl in a day where it looked like it was all going to come to end, not just in bad fashion, like horrifically bad fashion. And then one of the great eight minute stretches in this franchise's history is what turned it all around. Welcome to wake Amazing. up. Like and subscribe this bad boy. This sucker is growing. It's official. This has become a morning show that is capturing the Bay Area. We thank you so much for choosing to be with us here. And there's more of this coming to you in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. Larry and I, we understand how lucky we are to have your full attention in the morning. And we can't help but notice that that's when he and I can get together and kind of do this. So, More of this is coming your way. I can tell you that. It is great to have you here. Like and subscribe. Thank you so much. Um, Look, it was was a game that looked like it was going to go into the trash bin of history. It was a game that at at halftime, Larry, I thought that there was a very good chance that on Wake Up, you and I would be talking about how much do you think you'd have to pay Bill Belichick to get in here to, 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 to do a deal? How could, how could that even coexist? And if the Niners were to win, like, does Kyle Shanahan even go up to the stage to get the Lombardi trophy? Or would you send Bill Belichick or what? How, like, oh, that's so awkward. I can't believe that this is where they, you know, a going back to the drawing board is how this year is going to end. 
Well, no, it doesn't end like that. It ends with a chance to go and take on a very good Chiefs team. And I'm look, Larry, you and I are decided we're going to focus on what happened against the Lions. The nice thing about the upcoming Super Bowl is we're not going to have to convince anybody that this is a good opponent like we had to do against the Packers and the Lions, right? We had to convince a lot of people here that there is a football game coming to put its foot up your ass this weekend. No, 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 no. No, The Packers are going down by 30. The Lions are going to lose by (laughs) touchdowns. Uh, No one's going to say that about the Kansas City Chiefs. No. Right. I don't know. You know, it's funny. I don't know why there was so much pushback on Green Bay was good when Green Bay obviously was good. And this Detroit team, they're not just good. Detroit, I I said it to you earlier in the week, they're the 84 Bears. You know, they're the 84 Bears were coming. They arrived in 85. Well, guess what? This Lions team is coming, and they're going to arrive next year if they have even even a marginal offseason this year. Um, they've got eight or nine of the best players in the entire league on their team. Um, you can't stop them offensively. They they're a complete offense, but it didn't kind of ma- does make you wonder. And it, and this is one of the things we were kind of bandying about a little bit yesterday after the game. Did we see is Jared Goff uh, who throws the ball great and is it was in lockstep with Amon Ra and looked amazing much much of the night. But can you win it all? I mean, you know, as far as system quarterback, I think the big difference between the best quarterbacks and guys that are pretty good but not quite good enough is the mobility factor. It's the ability to extend plays. That's what Josh Josh Allen's big and strong, but he's got mobility. Mahomes big and strong, but, man, if you give him an avenue, he will run. You know, it's like Lamar's got the running capability. Stroud is an athlete. He can move even though he's more of a pocket passer, but he's still athletic. Um, it's like it's almost like you have to have that as a prerequisite in the NFL today. And you look at Jared Goff, and if you pressure him in his face and he has to move laterally, it's like game over. He's not that good at that point. And I kind of wonder if can you win a Super Bowl with a guy who can't really move you know, anymore. I don't know. I don't if know. You, I mean, look, if you can keep your quarterback clean, you can keep your quarterback if you like him. But if he's having trouble staying clean, you're, you're going to be in trouble. And look, golf for a guy who's a statue wasn't exactly, it wasn't like pancake sack city for the 49ers defensive line last no. night. It was not a great night of anyone beyond Nick Bosa, who by the way, did show up really, really showed up and showed out in the game. Um, Not just the sacks that he recorded in the second quarter, but he played really well in the third and in the, I mean, he, Nick Bosa had a Nick Bosa game last night and that was really good. He needed one, but the night was the rest of the D line. Where was Hargrave? Where was Gregory? Where was, where was Chase Young? I mean, Chase Young had one tackle for a loss. Kinlaw had a tackle for a loss, but then Niners only had, Five tackles for loss the entire game. Two by Bosa, one by Chase, one by Kinlaw, and one by Fred Warner. Fred Warner, my God. Fred Warner. Everywhere. Just what an amazing game he had. Blades of grass. He's all over the field. Yeah. Um, Look, and and the Niners won the game. They're going to the Super Bowl. But they got their asses kicked. They they really did. They really did. The Niners probably shouldn't be going to the Super Bowl. They never covered Amon Ra. 
They never covered Laporta. They got gashed consistently by Jamison Williams. Uh, David Montgomery went for 6.2 a carry. The Lions as a team ran for 6.3 yards per carry. I mean, I, here's the thing here. I mean, let's be totally honest about this. We can, we would have ripped the hell out of Shanahan in this situation. So it's equal that I want to see Campbell get ripped today. Cause it's true. You ran 29 times at a defense that was struggling to stop the run that gave up 6.3 a carry. You had a, you had a 42 yard run. You had a 15 yard run by Gibbs. You had a 16 yard run by Montgomery. You ran for six, three, a carry 29 runs, 41 passes in a game that you led by 20, you know, 24, seven at halftime. They should, it should have been 41 runs and 29 passes and Detroit would have won this game comfortably. You don't see a lot of teams abandon the run when they're up 20 in an NFC title game. Well, two great runners. It really didn't make an awful lot of sense. I mean, you know, this is, this is the difference between the moment you rising to moments of the regular season and then postseason pressure and things change. And, you know, where Dan Campbell is going to get a little bit of a reprieve is because of the massive voice the pro analytics crowd has now in the conversation. And I'm not anti-math. I'm not anti-analytics. But I think analytics work an awful lot more in the regular season than they do in some postseason instances. You know, what made Bruce Bochy an incredible manager was he managed the regular season the way he was supposed to, and then he would throw that book out come the re- the postseason, and he would get really aggressive with his pitching changes and his matchups, and he had short leashes when things were going wrong. He didn't wait one or two more batters to see how wrong are things going. He got a hunch, and he just made his choice. Dan Campbell got wrapped up in math says do this, but my gut should be telling me to do this. What analytics isn't factoring in is the size of the game, the weight of the moment, and the pressure on all of these guys. And again, you and I have talked about this so many times. How many possessions does a team get in a football game? You're lucky if you get five possessions and a half. You know, you're 10 possessions a game is kind of where it is, 10 to 12. And you're lucky that you, you know... Dan Dan Campbell kept playing the scoreboard when he should have been playing possessions. The 49ers were running out of football game to come back in. Right. If you just go up three scores again, you know, but it's three scores, what, with some confetti sprinkled on top? If the next one's a touchdown, either way, you're up three scores again. Go up three scores again, Dan. And he just didn't play that value of the possession more than he was playing. Well, my analytics say this, the culture that I've built into my team has done this all year long. Again, 17 to 20 on fourth and short, 17 to 20 on fourth and short in the regular season. I know why Dan wanted to be aggressive. It's what he's coached into his team, but in the playoffs, you also have to be smart. Just aggressive. Isn't the right move. And he left one on the table. He left two on the table, <laughs> big time. I, and and to me, it the bit you can sit there and talk about going for it versus you know field goals versus going for it. And there and you know there's a whole Barnwell breakdown on the analytics and this and that. But what what you know what I always used to frustrate me about Gabe Kapler 
is that he didn't manage the game that was in front of him. And Campbell, I thought, always kind of had a good sense of, yeah, he was aggressive all year, but he also kind of kept, you know, he was motivated by the game in front of him and he didn't, you know, he would go for it. You have a running back that's 225 pounds who the 49ers have not looked comfortable tackling. You know, Montgomery with the combination of the power, the balance, the stop and start quickness, everything that he represents as a player, he's a really, really hard guy to tackle. And anytime they got him on the second level, it was like, uh uh-oh. This guy's a, this guy's a runaway bull, and he just can be very hard to corral. And to just take him out of the game, and basically when he's going for six yards a carry, uh, I mean that's unbelievable. I, I kind of felt like every time they didn't hand the ball to him, that it was like, oh, thank God, How because they they couldn't stop him. They could not tackle him. He was just so uncomfortable to defend, and. It's amazing. He got 15 carries. He had as many as like 33 carries in games this year. It's not like they haven't had games where they fed David Montgomery the ball. They have. But in this game, he's going for six and a half a carry, and he gets 15 carries. I mean, that's where this game was lost right there. When you have an entire stadium full of fans who are thrilled that you've decided to go for it, maybe you shouldn't go for it. You know what I mean? Like Niners fans, I really did think, you know, on these fourth and short opportunities, every time he doesn't kick, we're getting closer to winning, not him. And I and 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 you were right, and that's what happened. Dan Campbell held the door open just long enough for the 49ers to have the opportunity to make the comeback and then Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk they did the rest, and look, Brandon Ayuk's catch. We talked about it. You know the immaculate deflection, the fluke to Ayuk. I, I like both of those. Well, it remind me of the Lynn Swan catch, kind of from, from yeah, Super exactly. Bowl ten or whatever. But imagine Lynn Swan catching a near interception off another dude's face mask. I mean, I know. It, you know, Lynn Swan was just juggling the ball in the air to himself falling forward. You got Ayuk tripping over a dude is all this is happening. And it was, it was an incredible game, an incredible second half. And the 49ers, you know, kind of got away with football murder. No apologies. Don't have to apologize for reaching the Super Bowl. We talked about it. It doesn't matter if you win pretty, you win ugly. It just matters that you win. At the time for critics and opinions and a whole bunch of people who think, you know, here's what I think should have happened. It doesn't matter what you think should have happened. Here's what happened. Lions went home. Niners are going to Vegas. Now, what might happen next? Again, we got a long time to do that. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you know, it's a really tough position to be in. It's tough to go into any game knowing that you have the worst defense and they got Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl with the better defense and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But at the same time, the Chiefs offensive tackles, not great. Um, the Chiefs have a very limited array of weapons. There's ways it's, to win. It's Kelsey and Pacheco and Rashi Rice, and they don't have Tyreek Hill. And, you know, Chris Jones is going to be a monster. 
you there know are that ways, there are ways for the 49ers to win this game, but it's just not sitting there. No, it's not. Sitting well, I, there. I, I was asking, I was surprised the Niners were favored and asked the guys last night in the post game, if they thought by kickoff, the, the favored team would jump from the Niners to the chiefs. And I was told, no, no, they, that if anything, the Niners uh, spread in this game may go up. So um, just based on the fact that the chiefs are roaring in here, having played really good road football to reach the super bowl. And the Niners have arguably played two of their worst football games of the season in the postseason, and have reached the super bowl. Um, I, I'm surprised that the Niners are the, you know, the, the overdog in this game, that they are the favored team. I, I am surprised that that was the opening line. This feels like chiefs minus three to me. But, you know, if you watch the Chiefs, I mean, Mahomes had the worst statistical regular season of his career this year. He ranked 19th in the league in QBR on pass plays. They dropped a ton of passes. Their tackles had tons of penalties. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, they, 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 it's, an, it's an interesting team. Legereus Sneed is a dominant corner. Bolton is an incredible linebacker. And Chris Jones and Carl Loftus up front. Really, really good. Look, Chiefs have a lot of speed. It's Spags that you got to be worried about. They have a defensive coordinator who absolutely knows how to win a big game. No doubt, no doubt. And and the Chiefs have gotten the Niners before. I mean, um, but at the same time, I think this is this is the way it needs to go down. Why? Because for Brock, if Brock Purdy's ever going to escape this, this, I mean, this is. A lot of people don't remember this because they only remember the fact that Joe had the four rings and, you know, Joe was Joe by the end. But in 1984, Joe Montana going into that Super Bowl had a Super Bowl ring already to his name. And yet there were those who were like, yeah, he's a product of Walsh and and he's going to get run over here by Dan Marino and Don Shula. And it, this feels very similar to that. And it's like, when Joe beat uh, Marino at Stanford in the in the '84 Super Bowl in January of '85, that vaulted him forever into his special status. And I kind of feel like Brock Purdy needs to not just win; he needs to win against Mahomes in the biggest game to really kind of cement that he is a special quarterback in his own right. Well, let, so, let's not turn this into the, you know, in order for Steph to be an all-time great, he's got to win an NBA Finals MVP too, like which is a standard I never really heard applied to anyone but Steph Curry until he didn't do it. And then he doesn't he, have to win the MVP, but I think you know the way it is. It's like if he if he beats anybody but Mahomes, it's like he's got to beat Mahomes. Right. Oh, this, you know. How about this? If the Niners do win this Super Bowl, there is no like grading it on the sliding curve of well, you didn't play the really good team, you know, like so. Right. Um, it's like this yeah. is Brock Purdy will we? There, you know, he should have already arrived right in the minds of everybody because he's twenty-two and five. He's four and one in the playoffs. You know, I mean, the guys. The guy's played some incredible football. He was in the MVP conversation. Yeah, I love this. Never lost a playoff game. He started and finished. Right. I mean, there's there's already several things you can point to with Brock Purdy. But there will be, you'll be laughed out of whatever you're in if you start ripping this guy, if he beats Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. 
And by the way, if you think, uh, you know, there'll be no more, there's seven terrific quarterbacks and Brock Purdy, right? That, that mm-hmm. segment won't happen again, but boy, you want to talk about hard guys to beat in the postseason? Patrick Mahomes is the X marks, the spot of that in NFL history. He yeah. really is. So, yeah. um, Kyle Shanahan, Steve Wilkes have, you know, 24 hours a day to get ready for this Super Bowl, and they better be using at least 22 of them. Um, not a lot of sleep around Santa Clara as they get ready for a massive, massive game. And and and, and look, they'll do it all this week. They'll put it in the game plan this week. They will get on the bird to go to Vegas with their plan in place. So this is the this is the real football week right now. They'll pull, they'll prepare like they're gonna play on Sunday. And then they'll let, then they'll just turn, they'll turn next week into a whole fine tuning situation and in then, Vegas. And then it's going to be a matter of which team doesn't have the guy who fucks up in Las Vegas. I mean, if there were ever a minefield of pregame <laughs> nonsense to get into, it's in Las Vegas. So, you know, who survives the week of Super Bowl week in Vegas? Not just all the media attention, but all the trappings of Las Vegas. Around the Eugene the- Robinson Memorial uh, Memorial Trophy uh, this year goes to. Well, here's the thing, though. You can't get in trouble for being with a hooker in Las Vegas. That's it. You know, Eugene just picked the wrong city to do that in. Right. You know, um, yeah, it, it's what it, city was what city was did Miami. he get? Was it Miami? Miami, which is. You know, you think that that town would get let you let get loose and have some fun, but uh, not that not to that level, Eugene. Right after he picked up his Walter Payton Man of the Year award, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, anyway, this guy is one of the finest human beings who ever solicited a prostitute. We got ourselves a really big room on my end uh, for a wake up, Larry. I'm sure your numbers are great as well. Our combined numbers make this the most consumed. Day after 49er show on YouTube. Thank you so much for being here on Wake Up. And I, I'm just going to say, it's a little bit of a tradition. We don't have many, but we got one. Larry, are you ready for Just the Facts? I am ready. Just the Facts. The 49ers are in the Super Bowl for the eighth time in franchise history, for the first time since 2019, obviously. The 49ers, eight trips to the Super Bowl, now tied for the second most in NFL history. Only New England has more. New England's been to the Super Bowl 11 times, but Dallas, Denver, Pittsburgh, and now the San Francisco 49ers have all made eight appearances in the biggest game available. The Niners are now 6-5, and five. In NFC title games at home, but still eight and eleven overall. Just shows you how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, their thirty-eight playoff wins, however, though Larry, that's the most in NFL history. The Niners are still sitting on top of postseason excellence in that regard. They've won more playoff games than any other franchise in NFL history, and needless to say, winning playoff game number thirty-nine is one of the biggest moments in franchise history if it actually happens because that would be a sixth Lombardi trophy. And Kyle Shanahan, the guy who can't win big games, he won another big game. He's now 8-3 and three in the postseason. He hasn't won the biggest yeah. game, but he's 8-3 and three in the postseason. That's a very he, good record. 
He's won at least two postseason games in every single postseason he's ever appeared in. And he is now the 49ers all-time franchise winning, winning percentage leader in the postseason. Not bad. There's some other coaches that have had pretty successful postseason runs in franchise history, and Kyle wins at a greater clip than anyone at this point in his very young, still he's only 44-year-old career. Good stuff. I mean, that it shows that, you know, um, for all the criticism and for all the people that have taken shots, the guy does win in the playoffs. He really does. Now, he hasn't won the ultimate prize, but, um, you know, a lot of there's a lot you know people that have suggested they should banish Kyle and go in a different direction. It's like, hey, wait a second, you know, is isn't this guy in a lot of ways Andy Reid pre Mahomes? There are 18, I believe, is the number living people who have won a Super Bowl as a head coach. 18 living humans on the planet who have done that. So you know, the fact that Kyle hasn't done it yet isn't really the dunk on him that a lot of people think it is. And if he does do it, no one's going to be able to dunk on you. Kyle's going to be Dikembe Mutombo. You're not going to be able to dunk on him anymore. If he gets one, he'll get three, in my opinion. If he, you know, he's got to get that first one. But if he gets one, I think he'll there'll be more to follow. Well, you know, it depends on how long the Niners can keep that window open because the disease of more will certainly infect any team that wins a championship. Um they got a great equation going right now, though. They got a young coach. They got a young quarterback. They're kicking ass in free agency because they're doing it the right way. They're allowing the rank and file free agent to walk. They're taking compensatory picks. They're reinvesting in younger players in the draft. They're hitting on day three and after the draft uh, with undrafted free agents. And they're playing free agency like a fiddle. So, um, you know. Now, Hargrave wasn't great yesterday, but Hargrave, Mooney Ward, going after that one great player, um, I think is the right approach to free agency. And, and they're, they're doing it. You're, I mean, you're not in the game that they didn't play well in without them, right? Right. Uh, Hargrave was a big part of this regular season. He hasn't been a bit a big part of the postseason. I, we haven't really used his name yet, which maybe means the Niners, they're due. You know, they haven't played well in the postseason, and maybe they're saving their best for last. And last time I checked, that's a pretty good thing to do when you reach a Super Bowl. Maybe play your best game of the year then. We'll see. We will- and, and, and Brock Purdy, by the way, he hasn't come from behind and won a lot of games in his career because he's had a big a lot of leads. But one of them was they were down 10 in the fourth quarter in Vegas. Um, and he led them to tie the game, forced overtime, and beat the Raiders in overtime. His, you know, last year, so he has had a come from behind victory in that stadium. Well, and you know, Dan Campbell decisions aside, Larry Brock Purdy was just the architect, the chief architect of the largest comeback in the history of the NFC Championship game. And we continue are just the facts looking at this comeback. The 49ers are the first team in NFL history to be down 17 or more points at halftime of a championship game and come back to win the game. They also overcame a 17-point deficit uh, against the Atlanta Falcons yeah, in 2012. But again, that wasn't just in the second half. The Falcons got up way early uh, on the Niners, and then they started their comeback. But they, they, they couldn't have been in a worse situation 
than they were at halftime. And they dug their way out of it. And a big reason why they dug their way out of it, as much as we have given all the flowers to Brock Purdy, who deserves them today, let's talk about Christian McCaffrey. Because with 132 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns, McCaffrey became the third player in NFL history to have 50 or more yards from scrimmage and one or more touchdowns in each of their first six career playoff games. Wow. When the money's on the table, Christian's got, you know, pocket aces. He's coming for it. McCaffrey became the first 49er running back in franchise history to have two or more rushing touchdowns in consecutive playoff games. He, with all due respect to Brock and the playmakers and everyone around him, to Christian McCaffrey is the heart and soul of everything that happens all year long since they've traded for him. He really is. He is in the middle of all of their success. As much as a quarterback stands in the middle of a team's offensive success, this running back stands, you know, right next to Brock Purdy, if not on Brock Purdy's toes, making the argument, maybe I'm the straw that stirs the drink. McCaffrey is unquestionably special and everyone lays off of him because there's, there's no argument to be made other than with a Lombardi trophy, a week. How about this? Let's say it's Christian McCaffrey who wins the MVP of the Super Bowl and he gets a Lombardi trophy. He has automatically punched his ticket to Canton, Larry. He goes from, I think he's in the Hall of Fame to he's in the Hall of Fame. Great, great player. No question. And, and the way he came out of in the third quarter, it was like this, you know, he, when he scored that touchdown, it was like he, he wasn't just, he wasn't happy. He was, you could see he was like still kind of pissed. You know, he's like, you know, like we should be, we should be in this game. Um, yeah. I mean, the guy's a hell of a teammate. I mean, and he, and he gives it a hundred percent. I mean, he, he's, he's carrying off plays or play fakes on the backside, um, you know, with the same aggressiveness and the same focus as he does when he's getting the ball on the doorstep and fourth and one or whatever. I mean, the guy is just totally committed to winning every play. He's an ultimate team guy. Look, I got good football eyes. He jukes me out like a poorly trained cameraman on some of his play action fakes. (laughs) He really does. Um, uh, Let's talk about Brock Purdy here in just the facts because Purdy was 20 of 31 passing in the NFC championship game, 267 yards, a touchdown. He threw an interception. He finished with a passer rating of 89, which is pedestrian for him. What is not pedestrian was, it's funny, he had a career-high pass attempts in the Packers' divisional round, which was funny and odd, and we talked an awful lot about that. A career playoff high 48 yards rushing for Brock Purdy. The fifth touchdown, uh, uh, his passing touchdown was the fifth of his career already. And with the win, Purdy, who had two playoff wins as a rookie, became the fourth quarterback in football history to win at least four playoff games in their first two career seasons. And if he wins the Super Bowl, he's going to be tied with Ben Roethlisberger for five playoff wins in the first two years of your career. Now, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't like a gaudy stats guy, but he was a physical specimen, a beast, and 
you know, everyone quickly was like, oh, this, this Ben Roethlisberger guy is pretty good. Oh, this guy from a, a small college, a less than matters an awful lot college, you know, Miami of Ohio. Who, who, wow. And like cradle you know, of coaches, Miami of Ohio. Yeah, but he but, also was a great runner and thrower on the run there. But again, he had a body type that allowed people to quickly see like, oh, yeah, I should probably get behind what this guy's doing, winning at the clip he's winning at so early in his career. But, you know, Brock is 30 pounds lighter, three inches shorter and easy to underestimate. So people just keep on doing that uh, secretly without much fanfare, which is odd because we talked so much about the Garner Johnson Debo matchup coming into this game. And there was the bad blood that everyone knew about. Debo Samuel had a playoff career high eight catches and a team high 89 yards it wasn't a great Debo Samuel game, but when he did touch the ball, he was moving chains and he was just providing the momentum needed that this team needed. It went, went I mean, he he didn't do much and yet he did a ton all at the same time. He really that did big game for Debo. Debo was great. Back to Purdy though for a second. One thing that was really interesting is that when you looked at some of the teams that beat the Lions this year, the 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 Lions run defense three worst games were against Baltimore and uh Chicago. And those run offenses combined for 471 rushing yards. And the the common denominator is they both had mobile quarterbacks. Fields and Lamar Jackson combined for 48% of the rushing yards in those games against Detroit. Um when the Lions faced the Niners yesterday, the Niners had the third ranked rush offense. But, man, it was the Brock Purdy 58, 58 yards on five carries and three huge runs in the second half that made the Niner rushing attack, you know, um, really formidable. So, I mean, give give Purdy credit on that one is in that, man, I mean, and I don't know if it was part of the game plan where it was like, hey, you know what? Look at these. Look at the teams that have had success against Detroit. The quarterback often gets out of the pocket and runs. Maybe that was something they kind of knew about because he, he, when the, when the money was on the table and, and the thing was breaking down and he needed to run, uh, he was decisive. He was decisive about running on this team. So it was great to see. I don't, I don't think they win without um, the, all three of those late, late for those late second half runs. I'm you know, sure. it sounds like something who didn't know the specifics and to talk about football granularly. And so you're going to say something broad in general, like, you know, he really feels the game, which sounds like a kind of a candy ass way to describe. It. I really don't know how to say it. So I'm just going to tell you, you feel, but there's the truth there. Brock Purdy feels a game. He feels it around him. He feels the pocket around him. And look, sometimes he feels it collapsing and it does. Cause it has. You well, know, and then the other thing, Darren, Damon, he plays for the W. I mean, you know, it's, it's this guy's greatest thing. I mean, let's just be honest about this. The best quarterbacks we've ever seen are guys that we here in the Bay Area have seen firsthand. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, and neither of those guys had overwhelming physical traits, even though Joe was a very underrated athlete, great basketball player, could dunk, was very had unbelievable escapability, and Brady had way better arm strength than ever anybody ever thought coming out of Michigan. Steve Young what, had wheels, but he was no physical specimen by any stretch of the imagination. But what these guys all really had, Steve, Steve and I'm glad you brought up Young, because Young had it absolutely tons of this. 
and what Brock Purdy has, it's this rare, super crazy, maniacal, call it dysfunctional if you want, competitiveness. What makes Jordan Jordan? The fact that he gets to his Hall of Fame speech and he's still trying to dunk on people. You, you know what I mean? He, the great ones, Larry Bird was a crazy competitor. Michael Jordan is a crazy competitor. Steph Curry ripped his jersey the other day because he lost a game he played great in because he's a crazy competitor. That's what Brock Purdy, Derek Jeter, crazy competitor. Uh, Montana, Brady, and now you're watching Brock Purdy. He's a crazy competitor. He is going to compete. I told him that Brandon Allen said he was a better golfer than him earlier this year and that he was going to take his money, and he's like, I'll get good, and I'll take his money. He wants to win. You know, we have all had that kid. I mean, my, my kid, my oldest son, Kevin, who's our producer on this show, he was a crazy competitor. Um, you know, he wants to win at everything all the time. Um, and it's just you either have that gene or you don't. And Brock Purdy has that gene. And what did he do in the fourth quarter? What's, it's He's going to do whatever he has to do because then it gets down to it's not about timing or anything. It's about desire to win and, and your competitive fire. And that's why Brock keeps playing big at the end of games in some of these games because it's like, whoa, um, he's got now it's like, forget the mechanics, forget my rhythm. And now I'm just playing cause I want to win really badly. And those three running plays were just like screaming out. I don't care if I take a hit, I want to win badly. And Favre had it. And so many of the great ones have it. Mahomes absolutely has it. And Purdy has it. And it's you can't see it. It's not definable. You don't see it at the combine. It doesn't appear on the Wonderlick. Um, it, it's literally it you you know, you just you either have to identify it somehow, some way by watching film, or that's it. And this guy has crazy competitive fire. So that's why his teammates love him because he doesn't show up for the glory, he doesn't show up for the cash, he doesn't show up for the girls. He shows up because, you know, he's a man of faith and he's all about beating you. And um, he just really likes playing football. I love playing football, but he's a competitor, man. The guy is super competitive. He is. He is. I mean, everyone out there is even the least competitive dude on a football field is still more competitive than the average person. I mean, to even reach any position in professional athletics means you are in the one, the, the, the type a fraction of the 1% of the world of, of you want it. Um, but a lot of guys, they get burnt out. A lot of guys have, you know, wanted it so bad by the time they actually got it. They're like, all right, I'm good. Um, you know, look, maybe Brock Purdy does get that big paycheck one day. And the next thing you know, it's all Lamborghinis and sunglasses. Money changes people. But I, I don't think he's going to be subjected to that. I don't think we're going to have Brock Purdy, uh, you know, caught with, uh, with, with uh, you know, a, a, a dead woman or a live boy at any point in time in his career. You know, this guy just seems to have been raised right. And he just flies so straight. To be a really good quarterback in this league doesn't just mean you get it done on game day either. You handle the media. You handle the pressure. You handle the spotlight. You handle the podium. He does it all like a 
10-year NFL vet two years into his career. It's very special. Again, a lot of people can only see physical traits, and that's why a lot of people were on Team Trey Lance because of where he was drafted, what was given up to draft him in that spot, and look at the physicality and the, the, the you know, just look at this guy. Wouldn't that be awesome if he were the future? And then you look at the other guy, and it's so easy to underestimate him. But if you could look inside, like it, it, if it were tangible, we could measure it. It's not. So it's an intangible. We can't measure it. What everyone used to say, you know, the biggest problem with a concussion is a concussion doesn't limp. That's why we don't really respect them. It took a while for the NFL to start respecting the severity of concussions for even fans to understand the severity of concussions because a concussion doesn't limp. So you don't really have any sympathy for it. And I guess Brock Purdy doesn't present himself as I'm the baddest motherfucker on this field, but he is, he is all the time almost. So, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan is, is like that a little too. He's professorial. He's calm. He's not a screamer. He doesn't overly emote when things are going poorly or well, you know, the camera doesn't love him the way it loves Dan Campbell. Um, Kyle Shanahan is drawing up plays to kill you. <laughs> you know, he is he is a huge competitor himself. You know, the guy who just didn't have enough of a physical ability to play football. So he said, all right, how can I get back at the world of football? I'm going to become <laughs> one of the hardest strategize, uh, you know, best strategy guys this league has ever seen. And it's paying off early for him in his career. And I'm really happy that he gets to avoid the landmine that would have him been losing a third straight championship game. How about this? Larry, you said, you know, if Kyle wins one Super Bowl, he might win three. Had he lost the NFC title game Sunday night? I don't know if he ever wins one. And 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 there is an element to where no matter what Kyle does in the Super Bowl, no matter what happens, and I know no Niner fan wants to hear anything other than they won the Lombardi trophy. And I get it. I want them to. But there, I mean, next season would have been ruined by an NFC championship game loss. The entirety of next season. Like, sure, we could have gotten into the moment of you and me breaking down an exciting game. Like, it, we, we would have found our fun because we always find fun in a football season somewhere. There's always drama that you get wrapped up in. But the umbrella that all of next year would have been underneath is the umbrella of it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. When you get to the playoffs, Kyle is going to gag it away. Well, we we said the reality of their situation was if they lost in the NFC playoffs to anybody, that they would be underachievers. Now they can, you know, whatever happens, they are not underachievers. They they did not underachieve this year if they lose the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously it's all about winning the Super Bowl and climbing to the top of that mountain. And Purdy said it like five times yesterday at the podium. Yeah, we got one more. We got one more. It's like, he's not going to celebrate this championship NFC championship. Like it means anything because the job, the task, the goal was the sixth Lombardi and they don't have the sixth Lombardi. There's still one win away. By so the way, I can't help but notice. And I am enough of a, of a like a curmudgeon to tell you that every single time we see baseball teams 
popping champagne. Like, I mean, how many champagne parties do you need on the way to a postseason? Like, it, it drives me nuts how much champagne we see in clubhouses that technically still haven't won anything. The division series celebration. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, Every it, it, single person, including the the uh, you know clubbies, are wearing like goggles. They've been planning for it forever. But you right. know, it's a long grind. So I'm I don't begrudge baseball players for celebrating. But sure, but you I, know what? The, the 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 NFL season is a harder grind. You maybe not playing as often, but oh my god, does this sport put a tax on your body? And you don't see guys popping champagne. Was there any champagne in the 49ers no. locker room last night, Larry? No. I there were some cigars. There were some victory cigars. How about this too, by the way? You're the Detroit Lions. You go into the dr- dressing room at halftime with 148 rushing yards. You're on your way to a 300-yard <laughs> rushing day because you're going to run more because you got the lead in the second half, right? You're on your way to a 300-yard rushing day with David Montgomery averaging almost seven yards a carry, and they come out in the second half and run for only 34 yards. That's amazing. I did not have that on my bingo card, and I don't think any Lions can. Uh, 34 yards of rushing in the second half in a game that you're up 27 to 7? By the way, they had like 50,000 fans. 24 to 7? At like Ford Field watching on big screens, and that place was going bonkers and was quiet as a church mouse. At it's a cold of- day in Detroit today, I guarantee you. Huh. January twenty, January 29th, the day after you gag away a trip to the Super Bowl in Detroit, Michigan, with the winter and the whole deal. Oh, man. By the way, if everyone Brutal. would like to see the single greatest rap video ever made, homemade rap video, when you're done watching Wake Up This Morning, Google, it's so cold in the D. It's so cold in the D. Why the fuck can't we just have peace? Oh, dude, it's it is a cold day in the D. And Eminem, way, Eminem was there last night. Did you see Eminem that? Everyone, the double birds. I hope that entire section pointed to him where the exact parking lot was. It's that way, buddy. Go back to Eight Mile. You what? How about guy? Chauncey Gardner Johnson waving goodbye to the crowd in the second quarter? Dude, talk about something that didn't age well. It's you're so you're waving goodbye to the crowd in the second quarter and the cheap shot that he took on Debo. That was he just did something take else. A cheap shot on Debo, too. He did. He did. Debo shows up in the post game wearing a snakeskin jacket with a smile on his face. Oh, that's the best look there is. It really is. Uh, just a couple more facts, Larry, before yes. we hop into some chats and open up to what people want to talk about here. Um, Nick Bosa, two sacks in the NFC title game, is now the third time in his career that he's recorded two or more sacks in a playoff game. So even though Bosa didn't record one last season, the whole Bosa disappears in the postseason is probably a, you know a, a narrative that needs to disappear a little bit, at least for the week. And oh, by the way, his 10 sacks in playoff games is now the most in 49ers team history. Charles Haley had seven and a half. Eric Armstead has seven. So Nick Bosa and Christian McCaffrey in a short time have established themselves as two of the best to have ever done it for the 49ers. And let's say you weren't rooting for either team last night. You didn't care. All you wanted to do was watch a good game. 
And that first half opens up in a way where you think, oh, man, this isn't a good game. Am I even going to turn the game off at halftime? Maybe I'll check it in the third quarter, see if it got interesting. If you were, if you weren't having a heart attack, if that wasn't a heart attack on a plate game for you, what a game that was to watch last night. Just for the impartial observer, there were only two punts in the entire game, Larry. Only two punts for two teams that say, you know, we play a lot of defense over here too. It's not just offenses that got us into only two punts in that game. What a game. What a game. I, I You know what? I saw there was a number of people that said 35-31, and this is going to be an offensive shootout, and that's exactly what it was. But it wasn't the kind of game that we thought because it was almost like a college football bowl game in that you see this all the time. They have those long bowl games, the, or, the long halftime shows, Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and Team A will dominate the first half, and then out of nowhere, Team B dominates the second half. Right. And you never see that typically in the NFL. But that's what happened in this game. It was 24-7 Niners in the first or Lions in the first half. It was 27-7 Niners in the second half. Unbelievable. <laughs> the entire script got the momentum of momentum shift. Hats off to the NFL script writers. Like I, I didn't see them coming up with that one last night. That was that was very impressive the way that they uh, unveiled that one on us. They they know suspense. They're fantastic. They should write. For I'll all say this all. too. I like the way that game was officiated for the most part. Um, you know, you play. Yeah. I mean, it's the, if you ask most football fans, what do you want out of your officials? They, I think most would say consistency, competency, and become less involved. Right. Call the egregious stuff. Anything that is on the edge of may or may not be swallow the whistle. Yeah. I mean, like there was a cut that Charlie Warner hit on the sideline and you could see the lions wanted like a late hit. The guy was in the air and Warner pop popped him on along the sideline. Enough of these ticky tack, you know, penalties. There was only five total penalties in the game, two on Kansas city, three on the Niners. I like that level of officiating. I like a game where you basically let them go um, and 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 let the players decide that decided. I mean, obviously, if there's offsides, you got to call it. There's a false start. You got to call it. There's a P.I. You got to call it. But I mean, for the most part, let them play. I like an uh, I'd rather my games be under officiated than over officiated. Oh, and, and, and not just the NFL. NBA as well and especially baseball. The NBA, yeah, actually the NBA. The parade to the free throw. Like here's the oh, Joel Embiid got seventy. Motherfucker shot like twenty eight free throws. Of course, I mean, imagine if Steph got twenty eight free throws on the reg, he'd be at seventy all the time. You know, like it, it's it's ridiculous. Um, some of you the, know what I'm saying. I hate. I hate. Well, they had twelve penalties and we had eleven penalties, and it's a right. con. I mean, the, it becomes disjointed. It ruins the flow. Yeah, nobody um, likes the ump show. <laughs> keep the flow going. Flow is a big part of of enjoyable sports. Di having a disjointed game with a just a boatload of penalties is not my kind of game. This is my one argument against instant replay. It disrupts the flow, and I do agree with you that the flow of a game is paramount to be it, it, to, to be enjoyed. By the I heard players. you do a great interview one night on 95.7 The Game with Steve Kerr you talking about this topic. Do you remember that? 
um, and, and not specific, the one that you're yeah, you're talking you, about about, about Flo. About you guys were talking about Steve was bemoaning, you know, the the unbelievable disjointed nature of over officiated games. Yeah, no, look, I, and it, I think the conversation basically where Steve said, you know, he wants things to go right, but he'd be glad with an element of human error if it meant we weren't going to the monitor six different times in the last four minutes of the fourth quarter. You know, that's what disrupts the flow of basketball game. And there's no sport that depends on flow for entertainment more than the sport of basketball. So when that gets choppy, it gets really choppy. Yeah. Um, you know, football's built for all sorts of start start and stop moments. It's the nature of the game. Um, but yeah, look, you know, the the best official is the one we don't talk about. The best umpire is the one whose name we didn't even bring up. It's like offensive linemen. I know you had a good game if we ain't even talking about you. Um, that game was tied at 24. Purdy escapes a dead-to-right sack, hits use check for a first down, twinkle toes, and I love the way that Kyle Juszczyk was used in that game. I think he is maybe Kyle Shanahan's biggest, you should do more with that guy than you actually do players. And he had the game that the second tight end, you know, on, on, a, on a team normally has. Like he, you know, everyone is looking at Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker had a big game. You know, that's kind of what Juszczyk did last night. You talk about that the late third quarter, Kyle uh, Purdy escaped the sack yes. and then found Juszczyk for the toe tap on first tippy down. Toes, tippy toes, tippy toes. It was two uh, minutes left in the third quarter, and that was the first play of the drive. Yeah, that was a beautiful play. And it's 20 unanswered points at a halftime. Detroit's second half possessions were turnover on downs, fumble, punt, turnover on downs, and then the touchdown that set them up for the onside kick at the end of the game. And, you know, it's Which funny. Which off Conley gave me a heart attack. Yeah, I tell you, that was th that the, the onside kick, the way it was executed, was perfect. He got that high, high bounce where now guys are jumping for it, but it did, there was a legal contact. Uh, Lion touched it at about the nine and a half yard line, and that ball's got to go 10 yards before any Detroit Lion can touch it. So it would have been Niners ball even if they hadn't jumped on it. Was it Kittle that fell on it, actually? I think it was yeah, Kittle, Kittle fell, on it. fell on it. So you, um, you know, the other factor in this game that was huge is that the Niners, who did not get particularly good safety play in the Green Bay game, Got amazing safety play. If you think about it, I mean, Tayshawn Gibson had the play of the game on the Jameer Gibbs pop-out fumble. And Jair Brown had 10 tackles, five of them solo. Those two guys, the Niners safeties, had a huge hand in that victory. Again, I don't want to talk about off-season moves, but maybe looking to trade Talanoa Hufanga. Because of what you've seen out of Jair Brown here now, and I love Hufanga. No, but I think I think you play them together. Play them together. All right then, I like that too. But it, look, it was an unbelievable football game, an unbelievable football game, and it's so unbelievable that even if the Niners go to Las Vegas and beat the Kansas City Chiefs, as you sit around and talk about that Super Bowl victory, there's going to be a smart person who always brings up and the NFC title game that got them there, like. Yeah. It, this game will be connected to whatever success comes their way next. 
because you obviously can't get to that success without having had success in this moment. And that was, uh, that was a heart attack on a plate. That was fantastic. <laughs> it was fantastic. And not only that, how about the symmetry? 1957 divisional round. Y.A. Tittle and the Niners blow a 24-7 halftime lead to, you know, to the, to the Detroit Lions. 66 years later, uh, the, or I should say the, the Lions blow the same 24-7 lead to give Brock Purdy and the Niners a 34-31 victory. Time is a flat circle, Larry. <laughs> Think know? about that. That is pretty, that's pretty amazing. Joe Fonzie came up to me late in the fourth quarter. He's like, Krug, how about that? Isn't that amazing? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, the Niners won that second half 27-7 and punched their ticket to uh, their second Super Bowl appearance under Shanahan. But isn't that amazing? I mean, 66 years later, you're you're down 24-7 and come back after you blew a 24-7 lead. I mean, that's that's eerily crazy. And think of what's next now. You got the one team that you have absolutely zero success against. Kyle Shannon, he, he hasn't, I mean, here's the thing. From Jimmy Garoppolo's torn ACL at Arrowhead to a Super Bowl loss to getting get, run by it at, by them at home in McCaffrey's year, first game. Yep, yep. I mean, there is no success to point at. Uh, against Mahomes and Reed and the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's them again. Here we go. Here we go. And it does feel like the most vulnerable the Chiefs have been offensively, but they got this Patrick Mahomes guy who makes up for a little bit of that vulnerability, and Pacheco right now is like, is he going to average eight yards a carry against the 49ers? He better not. Niners better clean that up, to say the least. Um, he's going to touch the ball. I'm just reading here over the course of six postseason games. Isaiah Pacheco is averaging almost 19 touches and about 90 total yards. So, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see the Niners didn't stop Aaron Jones. They didn't stop David Montgomery. They didn't stop Jameer Gibbs. Um, can they stop Isaiah Pacheco? I, I, you know, and, and, and how, what's the Niners path to winning this game? It's going to be, can the Niners, you know, can McCaffrey dominate against Nick Bolton, who's been incredible in these playoffs? You, they look, they just they got they're going to have to score a lot of points against a really good defense. A real here's the thing, like, hey Damon, you're walking in this game blind. You and Larry don't host wake up. As a matter of fact, you don't live in San Francisco. What do you think of this game? I just say so. You're telling me I get the best defense on the field and Patrick Mahomes. But I will say this, you know, Kelsey is his main red zone threat and the Niners have Fred Warner. So it's not like, Hey, you know what? Um, this is going to be some waltz for, uh, for Kansas city. I think the 49ers are positioned to, to also, I think the Niner defensive ends, Bosa, Gregory, Chase Young should win against these, these tackles. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And and look, maybe Fred Warner is the key to unlocking victory because if you do shut Kelsey down, now all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes is looking for guys who are going to catch this ball. And sometimes he can't, again, Patrick Mahomes is sometimes playing against his own wide receivers and the defense. Um, but they all got right in the playoffs. They did. Chiefs looked a lot better offensively at times in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. And they got a real mojo going for them. And just what a setting it's going to be. I mean, think, by the way, 
You want to talk about a Sophie's choice for Mark Davis? So in the in the biggest game ever in your brand spanking new stadium, either your former geographic rival is going to pick up the win or your arch nemesis is going to pick up the win. So either the 49ers or the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have the biggest win in the history of Allegiant Stadium, bar none. And if you think that the David, if you think that Mark Davis isn't losing sleep over that, you don't know Mark Davis. <laughs> He's, what an what an embarrassment! I mean, the Raiders can never win, right? I mean, it's just it's just the Raiders never get any break celestially, matter of factly, presumptively. Like it just they, they even running to Vegas to open their own shop. They still got the 49ers haunting the shit out of them. It's unbelievable. It really- it's, fu- it's funny. Uh, I'm looking at the, the ESPN's got their whole Chiefs Niners thing, and they're asking for just gut early predictions. Aaron Schatz, Chiefs. Dan Graziano, Chiefs. Dan Orlovsky, Chiefs. Field Yates, Chiefs. Jordan Reed, Chiefs. Lindsey Theory, NFL national reporter, Chiefs. Marcus Spears, Chiefs. Matt Miller, who's a Niner fan who we dined in New Orleans with and you know personally, Chiefs. Uh, I will say this. Seth Walder says Niners. He says 49er playmakers will be too overwhelming for Kansas City. He says there's a reason the Niners were the best offense all year long, and they will be again on Super Bowl Sunday. He's going Niners. Seth Wickersham going Niners. Says Shanahan, Shanahan scars are finally healed. And Stefania Bell says Niners. She says Shanahan will use the lessons learned from giving up a lead uh, to pull out a win. So, I mean, I hope they're all right. My gut is telling me Chiefs too, Larry. Like, I'm going to have to talk myself into the 49ers to actually pick them. In I mean, Brock Purdy's 21 and five, man. It's impressive. 21 and five. It's impressive. One of those losses is to the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> you know, um, it, no, no, he's not. No, it isn't. Oh, that's right. That was that was Jimmy's loss, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Brock Purdy just came in in, in garbage time in that game. Okay, and that game also, I believe, had no Mooney Ward. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes has owned the Niners, um, and somehow they're going to have to own the league. Yeah, Mahomes <laughs> yeah. is great. Mahomes is going to try to become only the fifth quarterback ever in the history of the game to win three Super Bowls. Can you name the others? The fifth quarterback ever to win three Super Bowls. Yeah, you know, you know Brady. He's got so six. Tom Brady is one. Troy Aikman is two. Troy Aikman is two. Um, the obvious uh, ones. And, and uh, um, uh, Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw's got four. Who? There's there's this guy named Joe. Jeff, yeah, yeah, Joe Montana. <laughs> Joe Montana qualifies for that. Joe's got four. Roger so there you go. Um, the the no, it's it's so right now. Mahomes, Brady, Peyton Manning, and Montana are the only quarterbacks to have at least two Super Bowl championships and two MVPs. Okay. But Mahomes is the the fifth fifth quarterback if he to to get three if he gets three. Brady, Montana, Bradshaw, Aikman, and Mahomes. Well, hit like and subscribe to all of that. It is great to have you here on Wake Up. The chat is moving like a 
information superhighway. Larry, I see you start a few. What what do we got? Okay. Let's uh, let's go to them. Let's see here. Um flip over. All right, Jeff G has become a YouTube member. Thank you, Jeff G. Jeff G throws in a five spotty. Thanks for great thanks for great content this year. Appreciate you. you Never Jeff. daunted radio network. There's a there's a, there's a narrative that this was more about the Lions throwing the game away and not the Niners taking advantage of it. The Purdy hate is exhausting. Here's the well, thing. That's northeast hate. That's just that you nobody wins, everybody loses. Uh, the Niners didn't win that game. Dan Campbell and the Lions lost that game. I was curious this morning to see if the national shows would rip Dan Campbell because he's such a favorite of theirs, and the Lions are such a great positive story overall. But how do you get around the fact that he gagged? doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. Look, he doesn't matter that. if it's smart or not. I will screw up fourth down calls. Here's the thing. It's not a narrative. Never daunted. Dan Campbell helped the 49ers reach Las Vegas. Full no doubt. Stop. Full stop. The, Will the, he get a ring? The Lions gagged away a deficit that is a near ungaggable deficit, especially when you're picking up nearly eight yards a rush. Um, it, it is a stunning collapse as much as it is as a rousing, inspiring comeback. So there's that teeter-totter balance is out. Now, to cry wolf about... Who's gagged away and who's earned what throughout the regular season? You hear it so often, it's easy to just ignore it. In this case, there is something to it. The Lions fucked that up officially. There's no doubt. Da- there's no denying it. There's no denying. There, there, there's a- every single Lions fan, Eminem included, is thinking about the one that got away from them, and it got away from them last night. They, the Lions, should be going to the Super Bowl. They blew. They it. were up twenty-four-seven at the half. I'll give them credit too, man. Their fans showed up huge. That was easily the most road fans I've seen at Levi's all year. Yep. Well, I mean, think about it. You're a lifelong Lions fan. You got a little money. It's going to take a little money to get into Levi's Stadium. Travel you're, out to the West Coast. You're in full why not mode. Why not? Like, I, hey, do you want to go to a sporting event that your grandfather's never even seen with his own two eyes? But also, it's a good time to leave Detroit. I mean, it's like, why do the Wisconsin Badgers do so well, you know, in the Outback Bowl or the Insight.com Bowl? It's because it's, it's kind of nice to leave, you know, Madison, Wisconsin in, uh, you know, middle of January. You know what I mean? I mean, it was 70 degrees. It was 70 degrees at, at Levi's yesterday. I mean, come on. The people were walking around in shorts. Um, Brett Johnson says, have either of you done a wellness on Grant? <laughs> I did see him in the postgame. Ben Jammin says, wasn't Kurt Warner low mobility? Yes, he was. He was very low mobile. Damon, you're muted, I think. I see your lips moving. Got me? Ah, now we got you. There now we go. We there you. we go. There we go. Um, what was that? Hold on. The last point was uh, Kurt Warner, low mobility I'm or wellness saying, on Grant. But the no, 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 no. The, the Kurt Warner. Let's talk about football. Um, I think it was a different league. 
I mean, defensive ends weren't quite cut out like they were then. The dependency on quarterback mobility. Remember, Kurt Warner is sharing real time with Michael Vick. And like Michael Vick stuck out like a sore thumb because nobody else in the league moved quite like that or had that sort of wiggle on him. The, the evolution of the position is is happening still to this day. So, I mean, it was just a different NFL back then. It really was. I mean, it is nice, though, when you have linebackers that run 4-5 and more blitzes coming from safeties and corners every year that goes by. It's nice to have a quarterback that can sidestep some pressure and make a late-in-the-down throw because he can get to that next platform and get rid of the ball. So, I mean, I, I can, the more I watch the NFL, and the as it's a speed game and there's great athletes in the game, you have to have some level of of mobility to play the quarterback position. You don't have to be f- super fast, but you got to be able to move within the pocket. Otherwise right. it's game over. You got to have escapability at the very least, if not mobility. James Foster says Bosa pressure on golf on fourth and three was huge. Yeah, no question. No question there. And then uh, he says Gabe Kapler would condone Campbell's decisions. <laughs> And justifiably so, we spelled Kapler's name wrong, and that's that's good because oh, nobody Kelper. cares. Gabe nobody, Kel- nobody cares about Kepler or Kapler. Um, yeah, no, what a game! Amazing game, and now you know we get two weeks to break down the Super Bowl and a whole week in Vegas to produce all kinds of great content on our channels, and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be an absolute epic. Uh, week in Vegas and no days and off, Larry. Let's no go. days off. All kinds of all gas, no breaks. Um, tons of streaming. What did I say last week? All breaks, no gas. All breaks, <laughs> out of gas on the side of the road. Oh man, it's going to be an awful lot of fun. I did uh, KPIX this morning. Gianna's going because uh, they're you know they got um, they got a set. I believe that's going to be built right by the Bellagio fountain. They're the CBS affiliate. So they got some prime time positioning being the hometown market team of wow. you know, the rep. And by the way, Gianna loves your boy. So Larry, maybe you and I will be doing some broadcasting from the edge of the Bellagio fountain at some point, the Bellagio fountain. It's uh it's one of the uh, iconic, uh, um, you know, spots there in Vegas. We have to go to the sphere. We got to oh, do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, what else has got to have it? Uh, maybe a little, all, we, we, so maybe a little JT the brick. I think we should go. I think we should do a a drunken show from the circus circus. <laughs> Just gonna be ripped on it so much. Seriously, this is the carpet that we described at circus circus. There are nineteen kinds of germs on this carpet. This <laughs> is the toothless idiot from Carson City playing slots at circus circus at 4 a.m cigarette out the side of his mouth (laughs) i mean it would just be awesome i thought i uh i thought i had a good opening line for my show last night larry when i said a team didn't look like they were even going to be able to hitchhike to reno is going to vegas after all Uh, i know barry forces do a show from the stratosphere dangling over the side we can do that absolutely which you know (laughs) Holding each other's ankles, <laughs> dangling uh, a guy like uh, like Suge Knight dangled uh, vanilla ice off a balcony. Rock says maybe hit the stang. 
I don't know about that. No, I'm not we're, sure we're about married that. and we'd like to be married. Thank you very much. I don't know if I don't know if uh, things are going to go over all that well in the homestead if we're doing a show from the Stang. Look at it this way: I might tuck a buck, and God bless my wife. She might give me the buck to tuck. She'd be, she'd be like, "Of course you're in Vegas. Go to strip club. I'm not afraid. I'm not threatened." We're we're definitely not allowed at the Mustang Ranch. I do, Jillian's going to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> she's got standards. She does. She's like, look, you <laughs> she's easy back. going, but come on, that ain't you know. She's like, go get a lap dance, not herpes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and oh, by the way, I, I do, dude. I I don't think I can write off a lap dance. We're not going to a strip club, Larry. We got work to do. This is we got work. work to do. We got work to do. In fact, we're going to try to do. A number of uh, videos from all kinds of iconic Vegas spots. Here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to bore you to death at the Walking Dead convention that is Radio Row. Uh, the, seriously, the best we should do on Radio Row is walk in there with a bullhorn and just say, uh, hold on, wait, wait, wait. I actually got this. I, I can actually do this with effect, I believe. Hold on. Hold on. Where is it? Who's the most generic guest uh, that you would have, like representing like Zales? Yeah, Blankety Blanks here from Zales. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone <laughs> here on Radio Row, listen to me and listen to me now. <laughs> you are all going to be laid off soon. Every single person in here is a dead man walking. Come to YouTube. We have the future waiting for you. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jan Steneru, brought to you by Zales. Right. Jan, thank you for being here. Now, look, Radio Row, <laughs> Radio Row is an awful Who's the most generic Super Bowl guest that you can think of? Who's that dude who like claims like he's like, I've been to every Super Bowl. That guy, George something, wears a Hawaiian shirt, gray ponytail guy, desperately walking around Radio Row. You guys want to book me? I've been to every Super Bowl. You want to book me? I'd be happy to do a segment with you. Yeah. And you're like, mm -hmm. no, no, thanks. No, thanks. Oh, man. Yeah, there's going to be a lot. of. I mean, it's it's C-list celebrity spotting in an, it, it, in an art form. It really is. It'll, there'll be some very impressive celebrity. I mean, that's the thing. There is, this isn't a Super Bowl in Glendale. You know, this isn't a, this isn't a Super Bowl uh, that, you know, it's like, uh, you know, well, Atlanta's a nice party town, but you know, it's, it's, it's what's it's, the best Super Bowl venue. This might be it, dude. It's Vegas, baby. I mean, to me, if you ever put the, the this Super is the first Bowl, one ever in Vegas, first this, one ever in Vegas. So we'll see, but look, this the, might, this might be the new new Orleans. I've always said the Super Bowl should have just been in three places. The Super Bowl should have rotated between New Orleans, Miami, and San Diego. Those were the right three places for a Super Bowl. If they well, just, San Diego's a little, you know, it's a little spread out, probably. It's a little, I don't know. But nice and warm. Yeah, and it's nice. Pretty girls all around you and beaches, beaches and, and golf. Sunrises and, and sunsets. And it's just great. Yeah, yeah. San Diego. Why anybody would ever leave San Diego? Uh, I had a guy in my chat the other night, video chat, and he was, I think I forget where he was. I think he was like in, I think he was in, uh, where was he? He was somewhere, uh, was it Alaska? And he, he's like, yeah, we moved here from San Diego. I'm like, what? That's a, that's a shift. I go, how did things, wh where did things go terribly, terribly wrong? 
You're living in Fairbanks or something like that, and you were in San Diego. This guy says San Diego's a shithole. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? San Diego's not a shithole. I mean, look, like San Diego's beautiful. There's, 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 there's some places that maybe are not the best parts of it, but the best parts of San Diego are legit. I mean, it's, it's a fun town. Oh, it's, it's a great. great town. It's I a great San Diego. I can't. I still, I still this day, I can't believe the Chargers aren't in San Diego. They had the market to themselves. How, who do you know who lives in San Diego? Is just man, I'm dying to get out of here. I don't look at it this way. Wish I could just get the hell out of here. Darren Smith, who's a buddy of mine, right? Yeah, I know Darren. Darren, you know Darren, and you know Marty, his producer, who's been with him forever. Um, she's awesome. He's awesome. And when the Chargers were leaving, you know, he was on the phone with me. He's like, dude, how am I supposed to do sports talk radio five days a week when all I got is the fucking Padres? And they were still the fucking Padres at this time. They weren't the going for it, trying hard Padres. He's like, how am I going to do this? I got no NBA team. I just lost an NFL team. I got a pissed off fan base who feels less than based on Dean Spanos's decision. He's like, I'm going to do like five days a week of San Diego Aztec football. He's like, oh my God, I don't know if I could do this. I'm like, are you going to move? He's like, oh, no way. San Diego's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not moving. Yeah, I'm not moving. Kidding anywhere. me? John Lynch is the general manager of the Niners. He still lives in San Diego. Dude, uh, Pacific Beach is just, you know, come on, man. You why? Why would you ever leave PB? Well, um, I live with Coronado. Is that? Is that uh, Coronado's beautiful. How about where the that little inlet where the bay meets the ocean right there so you've got like a two block radius you know or i'm sure they were overwhelmed with water and probably flooded uh during this you know this last crazy waves that we've seen but san diego god la jolla yeah rock eastwood la jolla is heaven my daughter went on an interview for uc san diego and i took the to my two little boys a few years ago to that park that's right there on the water where the where you can walk out in that little crescent and the sea lions are all sitting there and you got all these kayakers and stuff. I mean, my God, I mean, that's the spot right there. Yeah, I mean, to be anti San Diego, what are you like? Anti bikini tan lines. What do you mean? San Diego's <laughs> awesome. Not to mention yeah. all the great, all the great uh, Mexican food is amazing. Uh, it's, you know, the, the climate's amazing. You Gianna. can sit on the beach at 77 degrees on Christmas day. I mean, it's, it's a Gianna, spot. who is from Southern Cal and San Diego, when she gave me the first time I ever went down there, she's like, you got to go get the lobster tacos. I can't even remember the name of the place, but uh, we did. Jillian and I, we went, we got the lobster tacos there and we we're like, holy mackerel, these are good. So, yeah, there's a, the, the, the gas lamp is really cool. Petco's cool. The, the zoo is cool. The wild animal park is cool. If you have little kids, you know, Legoland. Oh, Lego Zoo is amazing. It the really roller coaster is. at the beach. Heck, just the just the just the beach. The beach is amazing down there. I mean, they're they're you know, come on. I mean, it's not Hawaii, but it's pretty it's pretty freaking awesome. It's it's as close as you're gonna get to Hawaii without a six hour flight, basically, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, it's uh, we we we've got nothing bad to say about San Diego. Look, I got nothing bad to say about Detroit. I got nothing bad to say about Cleveland. Like, if you can't find fun in any town that you go to, that's on you. <laughs> Cleveland's a great place to spend a, a weekend, a long weekend. I've had fun in Detroit. I've crossed the bridge. I've gone over to Windsor. There's a lot of fun to be had in Windsor, Canada. Um, it, it Windsor, California is a nice spot, too, right by Santa Rosa. 
Oh, dude, isn't that where uh like like a Cash Creek casino is or something like that? Winner! <laughs> I don't know. No, my college roommate lived in Windsor, went to Cardinal Newman, uh, lived up there in the North Bay. Another little jewel of the bay, Windsor, California. Nick J with the uh Didn't they have a weird mayor. <laughs> Windsor? Uh I don't know. I think I mean, it's a small community. It could right. be anybody. Uh the the uh off the um the Will Farrell line. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh great stuff. Great stuff. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh that was the origin of the name is unknown, lost to the seas. But <laughs> talk about a movie that the first one was awesome and the second one was just crap. Unbelievably bad. Anchorman two was just the worst all of all time. But Anchorman one, oh, are you kidding me? Epic. Yeah. 70% of the time it works every time. Sometimes you got to quit when you're ahead, Larry. Uh, Excuse me. Um, when I've got ahead. big books. Uh, my, I've got rich. My office has rich mahogany. Uh, yeah, many leather bound, many leather bound books. Uh, oh, geez. I, excuse me. I, I want to be on you. Remember that? <laughs> I, I want to be on you. I want to be on you. Um, so it's Niners and Chiefs, baby. Uh, bring it on. Bring it on. What a great morning. Chiefs what an absolute phenomenal morning. Chiefs are in the Super Bowl for the fourth time in their last six seasons. Baltimore held to just 10 points in a home AFC title game. By the way. I bet that, by the way. My bet yesterday, I, I took Niners on the tees, so it was Niners over the Lions and a pick em. So basically I had Niners on the money line. Are they going to be then, crushing Lamar today? The way the way that he threw into triple coverage. Well, and, I mean, <laughs> late in the game. I mean, if if Brock Purdy made that throw, Nick Wright would talk about it for six hours on a four hour long show. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, um, by the way, Nick, but, and then also right. Lamar. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, you're not going to beat Mahomes. I mean, come on, Lamar's not bad. Mahomes, Mahomes is the best. And the Chiefs were shut out in the second half, and they still won. Mahomes was 30 of 39 for 241 yards and a touchdown. I took the uh, under in that game, by the way. It came in for fun. Oh, it, what was the what was the number? 51. Oh, my God. 37? You didn't even break a sweat. Yeah. It was an amazing deal. I took the teaser on the, on the under, and then I took the Niners on the teaser as well, and I just parlayed it. And by the um, way, who had a worse day in the NFL than Zay Flowers? Zay well, Flowers. he had five catches for 115. But he also fumbled the ball into the end zone on a you gotta score here to go to the Super Bowl. He fumbled it into the end zone and it turned into a touchback for the Kansas City Chiefs. He also negated a huge gainer by making a 15-yard standing over a dude's stupid, stupid personal foul. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, a, a taunt. I mean, Legarius Sneed got in his head. You know, that's another reason I love Kansas City in that game. You had Sneed on Flowers, and then look at the rest of those receivers. Aguilar, one catch, 39 yards. Beckham, three catches, 22 yards. Mark Andrews was a non-factor. He had two catches. Rashad Bateman. People always talk about Rashad Bateman. He had one catch for two yards. He's an absolute zero. Their weapons were just totally ordinary, and I don't know why nobody could see that. Um, Edwards and Flowers had good yards per, or Edwards and 
Um, and Lamar had good rushing totals when you look at yards per carry. But, I mean, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards were your runners and your non-Flowers receivers since once uh, Andrews went out were pretty ordinary. So, I mean, Baltimore, and let's be honest, Baltimore's a bully team. They, in this game, had 16 runs and 37 passes in a game that was 17-7 at the half. They got away from the run game. If, yeah. if Baltimore can't just get a lead and run downhill, they can't win. They cannot. If you force Lamar to play quarterback from the pocket, they're totally beatable. He was 20 what? of 37, and they and they ran 16 times all day. They went back the Chiefs, to Mark Chiefs at 32 runs. They went back to Mark Andrews, who's a good player, but has been out with a broken leg all year. It's a you know studly action that he got back well enough to play in this game, but it made them go away from Likely, who I you know I thought was had a better second half than Andrews had first half. Like they should have kept feeding that guy the ball, and, um, and then yeah, the, was, Lamar fumbled through the back of the end zone. It was not. It was not a great day for John Harbaugh and company. It really wasn't. Um, Roquan though had sixteen tackles. How about that? Well, he's a monster. I mean, it's all you need to know about the Chicago Bears. They looked at him and said, "Nah, nah, we don't need him. <laughs> don't need that guy." Um, uh, Tiger Tank 06 says, "I love Damon and Larry are already saying that the Chiefs are what inevitable in winning the Super Bowl, so we might as well pack it up now." I didn't say that. I didn't no, say and that. I didn't say that either. I'm just saying that they're good. It's the Kansas City fucking Chiefs. It's their era right now. You know, I mean, it's that they are um, uh, that six consecutive AFC title games, you know, that they are in the Super Bowl again for the fourth time in the last six years. Patrick Mahomes in a short amount of time has become maybe the greatest to ever do it. Andy Reid with two weeks to prepare for a game more often than not, like at a 90% clip wins those games. If you're not fearful of the Kansas City Chiefs, you're certainly too dumb to lead the expedition to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, good God. You're basically saying you're like, oh, you know, we're just out here walking in the jungle. Never mind the uh the the tigers and the snakes and the spiders. We're just gonna go for a brisk walk. Take your shoes off. No, no, no. And and by the way, it would be great if three weeks into this postseason, you would finally calculate, hey, Damon and Larry sort of know exactly what they're fucking talking about. And almost everything they've said about the opponents, the 49ers have been faced, they've been spot on. Who's done more to handicap these games correct, more correct than Larry and I? We told you the Packers are going to be a handful. The Lions are going to be a handful. No, and we got we got this, you know, oh, you're you're afraid. No, yeah. You know, appropriate fear is a good thing. Appropriate fear. It's called respect for your opponent and knowing the personnel. And it's like, if you know the personnel, then you knew Detroit was going to be damn good. And you and you knew that Green Bay's talent was legit. Um, I think the Chiefs are gettable. I really do. I think they they're gettable. Are. But I will say this. They, without a doubt, have the best defense that they've ever shown up in a Super Bowl with. And a lot when, of speed. When you got a defense that can play in Patrick Mahomes, that's a problem. Yep. <laughs> that's a problem. To quote our good friend John Dickinson, that's a problem. And uh, and the 49ers got a big problem with the Kansas City Chiefs written all over it. Can they overcome that problem? I certainly hope so. And if they do, it'll be the first time that they've overcome that problem since Kyle Shanahan has been the head coach of the 49ers. He has zero 
track record of success against the Kansas City Chiefs. The next time Kyle beats Andy Reid will be the first. By the way, the Chiefs' defense is so good that they held Baltimore to 10 points on the road, and Chris Jones did not register one tackle or one sack. By the way, sm ooh, uh, Smiley Dan has brought up a point here, and Smiley Dan is a member of the initiated. Uh, Bill Vinovich's crew is working the Super Bowl, the same as last San Francisco-Kansas City Super Bowl, so be prepared for no holding calls, which killed the Niners last time. Well, you might be right, Smiley Dan, and as always, stay safe, my friend. Um, I'm looking for Smiley in here. I don't see him. Is it way back? It, yeah, he's down. At the, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly where it is here. Yeah, it was it was somewhere in the middle. I'm 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 way I'm 20 minutes back in this chat just glancing at it. But Rockies was his Chris Jones was banged up. He was moving gingerly. He was. He had a That's he he probably had the a, best news I've heard in in years. He had a physically taxing game. That guy is just an unbelievable monster. He's like Aaron Donald and Mean Joe Green all rolled into one. Guys like a guys like Reggie White against the Niners. Look, I will say this, though, that one of the matchups that the Niners have going for them pretty much is Bosa versus the most penalized tackle in football. You know, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs drew an awful lot of uh, false starts penalties, a lot of holding penalties, and hopefully Bill Vinovich is going to be watching them. And if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm probably talking about that in every single press conference that I have between now and the Super Bowl. I'm I'm going to go the full-on Phil Jackson. I'm going to put it out in the world and let the world talk about it for a few days. And the world's talking about it will eventually work its way back to this crew. And maybe the crew will throw that holding flag that it might otherwise not have. You know, a couple things on, on Kansas City. One... They lean heavily on Kelsey, and the Niners have a great matchup for Kelsey. Um, they 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 don't. Joe Thune's not one hundred percent at left guard. Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor, the tackles are just ordinary. They really only have one real good receiver. It's Rashi Rice, and he's nowhere close to Amon Ra. And I don't think so. They don't have the weapons that Green Bay had. They don't have the weapons that that uh, Detroit had. They've got Mahomes, who's a very, very great player, uh, Pacheco, and Kelsey. Who, um, who has more postseason catches now than Jerry Rice. Right. And and there's no question Kelsey's a monster. But the Niners should be able to defend Kelsey. Um, what what worries me the most about Kansas City is Legereus Sneed is a dominating corner. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He's having a great year. And then Trent McDuffie is one of the best nickelbacks former first round pick and then Nick Bolton, the middle backers got great, great speed. Uh, we'll see how he does against McCaffrey and then Chris Jones and Carl Loftus, the left side of their defensive line. They play games up front. They're really good. Uh, those two guys, but the, the Kansas city is a team that definitely Charles and dinged up. Now Willie Gay's dinged up. Thune's get dinged up. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're beatable. They're beatable. The the Niners are going to have their shot to to win this game. I I I mean Kansas City's a damn good team, and I think the Niners would have had an easier run with Baltimore, despite the fact they lost to Baltimore last time. But um, I, I like the 49ers' chances. I really do.
Again, I'm not, I'm not afraid of Kansas City. Yeah, I, I like the chances. I don't love the chances. Again, if you're like, don't think too hard about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. But I'm just telling you. So you're telling me I get Patrick Mahomes and the best defense on the field. Like, it's hard to pass that up. It's hard to pass that up. Now, the 49ers are the best offense on the field. Are they the one team out there who should be able to beat Kansas City in a Super Bowl? That's how they've been billed all year. The Niners are a star-driven team. The Niners have nine pro bowlers. So it's not like anybody's sitting there going, oh, woe is us, you know, the the poor Niners. Oh, yeah. No, look, even Vegas says that they should win the game, right? If they're the... If they're if they're giving points, but um, it's going to be a hell of a Super Bowl, man. I mean, it's as it's as big of a game as a big game gets. It really is. It's a monster. You got the single greatest individual force in all of football, and Patrick Mahomes going up against what has been billed as the single most talented team in all of football in the 49ers. So some people say it's a terrible matchup. A terrible matchup. Yeah, my son, right before the show started, he's like, Dad, yeah, there's a lot of people saying this is the worst Super Bowl matchup of all time. I'm like, what? Huh? Why? I mean, that, why? You've got the iconic Niners against the greatest quarterback of their era, of this era. Yeah, that's really terrible. Yeah, I, you know, you, you, so, so you're telling me that Titans. The first Rams, one was pretty good. You know, Titan, Titans Rams had a hell of a finish to it, but, you know, that, that wasn't the greatest matchup of all time. There's a lot of people that are bitter, and I heard this a lot last night, that the NFL wants Taylor Swift and this and that. Come on, guys. Come on. Are Again, we really going to go with that? No, the no. NFL wants Taylor Swift. I mean, that talk about something that gets way... I mean, and people... I'll say the, the one thing that has got to be the most ridiculous talking point is the people that are like, I'm so tired of Taylor Swift. I watched that game. She was featured for like 15 seconds. What's wrong? I mean, again, yeah, I don't. If you're, you're just, you're just have nothing. You, you don't have, you don't have enough football to talk about and you can't come up with creative topics. So you bemoan the Taylor Swift angle connected to the chiefs when they didn't play it up and make it some ridiculous thing. I mean, I, if they did, I didn't see it. And look, I mean, she seems delightful. She really I mean, who cares? I mean, I, at the end of the day, it's a gigantic who cares. Yeah. But, but I mean, this whole anti Taylor Swift, like there's people that are like mad at the chiefs because of the presence of Taylor Swift. Like, like they can't get her out of the game. Like it's first and 10 and they're just constantly going to shots of Taylor Swift. Come on. What are you talking about? You're literally filibustering on something that, has no impact. I watched their co- the coverage. They don't make her some part of the coverage. I don't. I don't get. It just seems like, hey, let's if you if you're if you're mad at the Chiefs, uh, let's you know let's let's complain about that. It, I don't see the media covering it like it's some. You know, people make it seem like they're just talking about her all the time. They're well, not. It's it's easy to root against the failure of very successful people. And you put the very successful Kansas City Chiefs together with Taylor Swift, who just had about as successful a year in entertainment as any human being has ever had. I mean, she is packing them in by the millions, making billions. Uh, she is an industry unto herself. 
of course, the NFL is very happy to feature about one of the most famous people in the world being a fan of what they do. But I don't hear anyone getting upset about like, you know, when when the Kansas City Royals were in the World Series, it felt like there was a cutaway to um, Paul Rudd every 15 minutes or the guy who was in uh, Mad Men. You know, every, every few minutes, there's a cutaway to one of those guys. I didn't hear anyone complaining about that. Why does she, why, again, who cares? Look, look at it this way. If you got to put your camera somewhere in between plays, put it on the pretty girl who seems really nice, who's totally <laughs> yeah. into the game. Right, I, I'm right. less offended by that than freaking looking at Jerry Jones sitting in his box. By the way, by the way, back on back to football for a second. Another thing that made um, Dan Campbell just a total jackass yesterday: the 49ers this year on third down and fourth down, or on the goal line with like one or two yards to go. This season, they're allowing a seventy-nine percent conversion rate against them on these runs. When you're when you're going when you're going for um, short yardage against the Niner D right now, so third and short, fourth and short, or on the goal line with uh, from the one or the two, mm-hmm. they're allowing a conversion rate this year of this year or the season seventy nine percent, and freaking Dan Campbell went for a Badgley field goal on fourth and goal from the two against instead, Dan of it, instead of handing it to David Montgomery. Against the a defense time, that can't stop short yardage run to save their life. The one time where Campbell kicked the field goal is the one time he should have gone for the kill shot touchdown. And the other two times he went for it, he should have taken the field goal. It, Dan, right. Dan Campbell has got, I think. Dan John Harbaugh. Look, look at John Harbaugh in that game against the Ravens, Damon. Ravens got a lead on the Niners. John Harbaugh could have stepped on their throat in a couple situations in the second half, but you know what? He took the for sure field goal, added points and won the game. I just think that that Dan Campbell better become a better coach based on the lesson that he learned. And he needs to learn like all coaches and managers need to learn that the way you go about it in the regular season can't just be the way you go about it in the postseason. You have to change it up a little and analytics which, again, it feels like the sample size over, you know, 162 major league games, maybe this math will work itself out at the end. But in a short series, and there's no shorter series than this is one game right here, Dan Campbell should have not been playing the scoreboard. He should have been playing the possessions game. Yeah. And the Niners were running out of football game and possessions dramatically enough to where I would have made it a three-possession game Again, even though it wasn't a three possession game where you need multiple touchdowns to get back into it, but you still need three possessions. And again, I really like Dan Campbell, but he screwed that up. He and just, he as wasn't, much as he, he was there, as he much as very experienced. Up, he didn't fumble the ball. Gibbs did. Yeah. He and didn't he have experience drops. too. He didn't have two drops. Reynolds did huge drops. Yeah. He didn't have an interception thrown into his face mask, doesn't catch it, and then Brandon Ayuk off the ricochet does. You know, players got to make plays. Like, yeah. I, I was hearing about how Steve Wilkes needs to be fired at halftime. What did Steve Wilkes do wrong? 
You say he sat in zone too much. He didn't. He didn't make that switch right away. I, okay, okay. But to me, players got to play. You know, it's it's not Steve Wilkes's job to make sure Javon Hargrave isn't getting manhandled out there. That's Javon Hargrave's job. No doubt, it's Javon Kinlaw's job. You know, he's not missing any tackles. By the way, the only injury concern, and you really don't need to be injured because Drake Greenlaw is like Frankenstein. He just keeps coming. I don't care how hurt he looks. On any, I thought he dislocated his shoulder, Larry. He came I, off that field. That didn't read. I thought he was concussed. Language, yeah, that body language didn't read, this is a stinger. That body language read, my shoulder's dislocated. And, of course, he's back out of that blue medical tent looking at the freaking you know, Microsoft Surface tablet going right back into the game as quickly as he can. The guy's an absolute warrior, and he hit Laporta <laughs> like as hard as you're allowed to hit a player without getting a penalty. Oh, my God. Did he Drake, Drake Greenlaw is a warrior. He is an absolute warrior. And and by the way, you know, how about Juwan Jennings got popped, went into the concussion protocol. I'm like, this guy's, you know, he just had a concussion a couple weeks ago that kept him out for a, three games or whatever. And I thought, oh, wow, that's going to be real serious. And Jawan's been cleared. It's like, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I just kind of wonder exactly about how that thing works, uh, the concussion protocol. But you know what? The the biggest task in this next round is going to be stopping Travis Kelsey. Did you see Travis Kelsey in these playoffs has caught 16 of his 17 targets for 191 yards and three touchdowns. So if the Niners can shut down Kelsey in the red zone, they're going to have a great chance to beat beat uh, Mahomes, and they have the one guy to do it and here's the thing I, if i if i am steve wilkes if i'm kyle shanahan i give steve wilkes full permission to sell out on on defending kelsey why he isn't bracketed more why he isn't double teamed the entire game long at times i don't know like if you lose the super bowl because these other guys have big days fine don't lose the super bowl because travis kelsey's putting it up your ass don't you don't do that. You can you can lose another way. Don't lose that way. Exactly. Exactly. By the way, and the Chiefs are the underdog you said in the Super Bowl. Underdogs are exactly 500 since 2001 in the Super Bowl. 11 and 11. 15 and 7 against the spread, 11 and 11 outright underdogs. So it's it's going to be a it's going to be a ball game for sure. Um, and the, I thought the last one was pretty damn good. I expect this one to be pretty damn good. Um, but you know, you never, the other thing about it is when you watch this 49er team and you saw the way that they played this year, you, I, you get the feeling like one, um, they're going to be better on faster surfaces and two that they haven't really in these playoffs played a good game yet. No, and no. if they do play a good game in the Super Bowl, that could be you know they're due. I mean they're due for a really good performance. Right. You always and, say they you know I expect the Niners to come out and fire. They haven't fired yet. Look, no, we talked about it a little bit on your on, on the bonus post game when I hopped on with you and the gang last night. If I am if if I'm Kyle Shanahan, and Andy Reid wins the toss and defers, I think I'm good with that because I want the ball right away. I want to set the tone in this game by trying to score on an opening drive. I, I don't think the Niners want to be playing catch up with the Kansas City Chiefs. I would take the ball first if I'm Kyle, just to change it up, just to change the feel of the game. Um, he loves his deferring. 
He does. And look, he's got a formula that wins more often than not. And you you shouldn't go changing who you are in the postseason. But at the same time, like we just said about Dan Campbell, you cannot go about business in the postseason the same way you go about it in the regular season. Sometimes you got to do something left-handed. And that would be a left-handed decision from Kyle. By the way, Steve says, uh, Steve Cass says, that take by Damon is pure bunk on the so-called almost interception. That was flagged for pass interference. The refs clearly stated uh, since Brandon Ayuk caught the pass, uh, it's not a foul. Well, again, that's the thing. They they picked that flag up. Yeah, they picked that flag up. They picked that flag up. That was not a flag that was declined. They right. picked that flag up. They, so. they basically said there was no flag, even though there was a flag. Right. So that's the thing. So it wasn't pass interference. Right. Right. So, you know. By the way, um, you know, here's the other thing that is a great part of football. For all the precision... For all the, you know, people speaking in certainties about everything, a lot of it still comes down to just the bounce of the ball. I mean, what did Brock Purdy do on that deep ball to Ayuk? He just took a shot, right? Come on, that's not a handoff. That's not a slant to an open receiver. That's, that's a 50 50 that, ball. And it's Brock saying to, to Brendan Ayuk, like I remember talking to um, the great David Archer on a road trip when we were in the Canadian League about the relationship that quarterbacks have with their wide receivers. And one of the things that I, I kept hitting on is that when Dave would talk about receivers that he liked, okay, he would use this phrase and he would say, blankety blank, we'll go get it for you. Oh, man, I love playing with him. He'll go get it for you. He'll go get it for you. In other words, I'm going to put the put out a 50-50 ball, and our success or failure is going to be predicated on like the competitive fire and of the receiver and how much they will sell out with the sole purpose of making the play. And you know what? Man, he put that out there for Brandon Ayuk, but they just took a shot there, and he put that thing down the field with great accuracy, really. And then Ayuk made a play on the ball and made an incredible catch. Look, the, big, the biggest it's, it's, play it was, it was probably the play of the game offensively. The biggest, that was the luckiest play of the game offensively was the pass that Purdy should not have thrown to Jennings, who should not have caught that one-handed catch, but he did it. I mean, that's breaking every cardinal rule of the quarterback, throwing a gr across your body against the Into green. A crowd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was disaster waiting to happen. Right. Like, make a play, make a play, make a play. Right. Don't shoot it. Don't shoot it. Don't shoot it. Oh, great shot. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Well, and then, and then once again, it's the same thing that I'm talking about, though. It's that relationship that, you know, Brock's receivers and Brock have that, you know, is not developed in a minute. I mean, why did Jordan Love have the kind of year that he had this year? Because he spent the first part of the year saying, hi, I'm Jordan Love. Oh, hi, I'm Jaden Reed. Hi, I'm Bo Melton. Good to meet you. And by the end of the year, they're like all on the same page. And you're like, oh, wow. You know, he's got a ton of weapons. Yeah, because it took time to kind of get on the same page. You you have to have practice reps and game reps and dialogue. And where do you like this? And get used to, oh, I noticed that Juwan out of his breaks, you know, we'll cut it up field a little bit. So I let him a little bit more. 
Well, how did you know that? It's all based on reps and practice and running routes and talking to Juwan or Debo or Ayuk about how they, where they like the ball. Hey, if you're going to miss with me, miss low, you know, whatever. And there's that communication. Um, and so it's like you, Brock is much more in lockstep. But I thought just taking that shot down the field, being, I mean, that to me, you know, it's hilarious. People called him the dink and dunk because this guy is the opposite of that. This guy will literally drive the ball down the field and just take a shot. And uh, I mean, that easily could have been picked. Instead, Ayuk makes an amazing play on it. They score a couple plays later. It swung the game. Continuity is the biggest missing ingredient in football. And Brock has done a great job in an offseason where he didn't you know, even have a chance to throw the ball because of his elbow surgery, maintaining a continuity with his guys, whether that was done with film study together or just talking to each other, getting to know each other. But they came out of training camp on the same page, Brock Purdy and Brandon Ayuk did. And while other people were just counting interceptions and incompletions, I remember you every day at training camp just saying, Brandon Ayuk is about to have a year. And he did. He certainly did. And because of that year that he had and a play that he made in the biggest game of the year where not much was going right, the 49ers are in the Super Bowl for the eighth time in their franchise's history. And you don't want to lose three in a row here. You don't hey, want by to lose way, in a row, then 0-3. Oh how about this? This was my son dug up this stat. <clears throat> Guess how many red zone targets Brandon Ayuk had for the season coming into yesterday it's probably a low number because it felt like most of his damage came in between the 20s than it did really from the 20s and in and when he did go in it was with like a big play so red zone targets i'm just having a nice number like 10 10 four Ooh, okay i mean four, i knew it was a four red zone targets for Ayuk on the season I mean, come on, this guy, this guy could have had a much bigger year than the year that he had statistically. Well, a again, you know, year. is, is he not getting targeted because he's not doing his job or is he not getting targeted because every time you look up, there's Christian McCaffrey already in the end zone, the drive's over. Well, and also he's not getting targeted because they're scoring from outside the red zone. Right. With bigger plays. So it's not all negative, but still four. I mean, I asked Lo Neal about that yesterday, and he said thir- he gave he gave me thirty four. He's like thirty four. I'm like four. Couldn't believe it. He's like absolutely could not believe that. Um, but it's it's you know, it's the way it shook out this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just it was an incredible it was an incredible day yesterday. I mean, sitting there watching that, and I said to myself right before the kickoff, I'm like, you know what? I I just want this game. I'm I'd be fine with the Niners in a, just a full route. You know what I mean? I would be fine if they just beat uh, Detroit by like three touchdowns and there was never any pressure uh, after the week that we experienced the week before against Green Bay. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm cool with an easy win. You know, hopefully it'll be a real easy win. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's oh my god, they're, they're this thing's over almost at halftime, and and you're sitting there at halftime going. It's 24 to 7. Do they even have a shot at all? I really didn't think they had a shot. Not because it was 24-7, but just because their defense didn't show any ability to stop anything Detroit was doing. 
and, so and to me, I was like, there's no way. There's just no way they're gonna there's no way they're gonna win this game. No way. You know, I had Paulie Mack on. Paulie Mack sprinkled some particles. Maybe that's helping the Niners here. They need them, right? Because when that first quarter was over, the lines were up 14 to nothing. In an ominous sign, Brock Purdy had two passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. In every game that he's played poorly in, that has occurred. So I thought, "Uh uh-oh, bad start there. Then you had Moody missing that first field goal, which made everybody in the stadium just grip. Instead of 7-3, to it's still 7 to nothing. Detroit completely established dominance on both sides of that line of scrimmage. They were getting every third down, Damon, no matter how long it was. They gained 137 offensive yards and rushed for 86 yards in the first quarter 10.8 yards per rush wow and then at the end of the first half it's 24 7 lions who had outgained the niners 280 to 131 yards detroit was running it for seven yards a pop i mean every single indication that you're about to lose today was pretty much put in front of the 49ers two to one time of possession advantage pretty much for detroit Jamison Williams had already gotten into the end zone. I mean, it was just, you know, it was unbelievable. Detroit, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez had a pick. Niners had missed a field goal. Detroit was averaging seven yards a carry. Niners were averaging 2.9 yards a carry. It was, and and then again, you're like, well, it wasn't really a good day for Christian McCaffrey. You open up the box score. Yeah, it was. He had a really good game after all. Um, it, it, it look but only 2.9 yards per carry in the first half. Yeah. For CMC. It's uh it ain't, it ain't how you start. It's how you finish. And what a finish the 49ers put in front of everybody in the world last night, Detroit absolutely gagged one away. The, the Niners need to apologize to no one for winning the way that they went about winning. And they haven't even played well in this postseason, and they're in the Super Bowl. So this is this is all good news as far as I'm concerned. And I think everyone has got to spend at least a day or two basking in what just happened before you turn your full attention to the Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs. Appreciate what you just saw. You saw one of the single greatest eight-minute postseason stretches any team has ever had. The, that 49er third quarter, again, if we needed to name the IU catch, that eight-minute stretch needs its own little nickname or some reference point that we keep on going back to when we talk about this, when we're old men sitting in our rocking chairs, wearing our Depends diapers, drinking Metamucil milkshakes one day. You know, I mean, like, I I will remember. I will remember that third quarter forever. I mean, it's up there with one of the biggest, I can't believe this is unfolding like this, things I've seen since covering Bay Area sports. It was it was amazing. It was amazing, and congratulations to the Niners, who, again, had a mandate. And it was a big, big ask. All we're asking is that you go to the Super Bowl this year, no excuses. <laughs> That's a right. lot to ask of a football team. I don't care how loaded to bear and set up you think they are to do something special. To make it through the meat grinder of the regular season and then the postseason, uh, it's mission accomplished for Kyle Shanahan and company. And even with that, if they lose the Super Bowl, everyone will call them fucking losers and they don't know how to win the big women and Kyle can't <laughs> win anything. And he's already won more, you know, he's, he's he guys won eight playoff games now as a 49ers head coach. Eight it's amazing. In, in, and if you had said to anybody at halftime, yeah, you're down 24 seven and you're getting dominated, 
But guess what? You're on the verge of going and scoring 27 points unanswered. <laughs> you know, and you'd be like, no way, no way. And that's what we saw. Right. That's not the way it's going to go down. Like that was amazing. Order. They're not going to win it like that. No, they want it like that. They really greedy, greedy Greg. This clown Ryan Clark is now giving Lamar the benefit of the doubt and saying he should have played the same way Purdy did last night. Love it. He's eating his words. So at the NFL awards, what Thursday in Las Vegas, Lamar is going to get up and get his MVP and Purdy's not even at the awards because he's in his playbook getting ready for the Super Bowl. Perfect. Perfect. Krug, I'm going to need you to ask Clark in Vegas if he feels like a dumbass for those remarks. Second thought, don't, because he might go ballistic. I mean, I guess my question would be, at what point did you just do what the producer told you to do? At what, I mean, you basically said you do not think for yourself. You're doing out loud thinking for someone else. And now you'd publicly like to come around and say, I've only been pretending he's good. So you either did know what you were talking about and lied or don't know what you're talking about. That's the fork in the road. That's Ryan Clark lives at the end of either one of these streets was lying or doesn't understand it in the first place. And either way, good luck with that. Well, my bigger issue wasn't with that comment. It was the one where he's like, the rest of the NFL should be glad that the 49ers don't have Jordan love, Jordan love as quarterback. It's like, are you, what are you, what are you saying? I mean, are you saying that the entire purpose of the NFL season is to make sure that anybody but the Niners wins? I mean, what, what, where's that comment coming from? It's like, or are you trying to say that Jordan love would be the final piece to the puzzle? And you're basically making it seem like the Niners are, are Trent are the, the 2000 Ravens with Trent Dilfer. So if only I mean, the Brock Purdy is, is, is a reason the Niners win. He's not, He's not Trent Dilfer. He's not like, oh, Christ, Dilfer blew it, and we had this awesome team, and Dilfer, Dil he's not Dilfer. Stop comparing Brock Purdy to Dilfer. Dilfer is, it was a borderline starting NFL quarterback. Brock Purdy is a, is, a, is a borderline MVP of the league. It's not the same. No, <laughs> it, it isn't. It isn't the same. It's look, the guy, it takes no effort at all to underestimate Brock Purdy, but do so at your own peril. And teams find that out all the time. Yeah, I did just, it's again, people get attention by crapping on the Niners. It's a cottage industry unto itself. So they would never do that if it was the New York Giants. If Brock Purdy were a New York Giant, you would hate him by now. Oh, that story would have been rammed down your throat and how great of a story. Look at it. They Look. were about to tell us that that DeVito jackass was awesome. Tommy Cutlets. Tommy Cutlets was the greatest quarterback <laughs> the Giants have had ever for a minute there since Eli Manning. I mean, it was DeVito, DeVito, DeVito. Oh, Purdy. Uh, what, what? Purdy's 21 and five. Look at what we got out of one month of Lynn sanity. Imagine if Steph Curry had been a Nick. Holy shit. You'd hate oh Steph Curry with every ounce of your body. If that were true. Yeah, that's true. We'd be so force fed Steph, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it is amazing though, that the, there seems to be what's, why would you go rip Brock Purdy? What has he done? The guy was the last pick in the draft. He's a super nice, friendly guy to the media. Gives you really well thought out answers. 
He's beloved by his teammates. Um, he's an underrated athlete with movement ability. He's kind. He's gutty as hell. He's a super competitor. What's not to like? And not to mention, they compare him to Mahomes and Allen. He. What about the all the quarterbacks that were drafted in front of him in his draft? He really should be compared to Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter and. You know, right? Those are the guys that he came in with that were taken in front of him. Kenny Pickett. I mean, he's. if you said, hey, Brock Purdy, is he better than Kenny Pickett? Is he better than Matt Corral? Is he better than Desmond Ritter? You'd say, hell yeah. But instead, and he's, he should be this incredible, great story, celebrated league-wide. Instead, he ain't Mahomes. I'm, em- I'm embarrassed. I had to. I had to include him in a conversation with Lamar. Well, Lamar's at home now and didn't play particularly well. And uh, Purdy's in the Super Bowl, and he's been in the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl now in his first two years in the league. And you're going to crap wins, on this guy? And you're going to find faults with this guy? I mean, come he on, He wins man. the Super Bowl. He will have won more playoff games in the first two years of his career than anyone who has ever lived but Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. That's what a pretty are, good what, place to What start. are we ripping? I mean, that's the thing. They're evaluating Brock Purdy as if he's in year 12 here. And it's not going to get any better than this. <laughs> right. Well, how about how about the, the true jackass take of the offseason was from the Lance crowd of Purdy's not going to get any better. He's topped out. Right. And I remember asking him in May at the minicamp. I'm like, Brock, how would you where are you now compared to last year at this time? And he was like, and that and and he was like, Oh my God, it's night and day. Last year at this time. Man, there was so many, so much verbiage in these Shanahan plays, so many things for me to memorize that I literally walked to the line of scrimmage just trying to remember it all. Now I've run these plays. I've 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 I'm in lockstep with my receivers. I understand nuances of each one of these plays, and it's night and day in my development in this offense compared to where it was a year ago. And which was the of course answer, but nobody saw that. All of a sudden it was just like uh He's topped out. He's not going to Brock's not going to get any better. And that's why we need to go with Trey because Brock's topped out and Trey's going to get nothing but better. And then it's like, well, wait a second. Why is he topped out? Because you want him to be topped out. He's 23. What 23 year old quarterback doesn't have an ability to get better? I mean, it was just it was such idiocy. I don't even know where to start. Look, there's again. There's not a lot of thought being put into this analysis that we agree isn't worth the time of day that it's really getting. What I don't what like what I just don't understand either is, you know, well, the NFL is lucky that the 49ers don't have Jordan Love. So you're telling me that if we replaced Brock Purdy with a quarterback who is statistically inferior, that that would make them better? So the guy who threw the two picks, a really good year, a really good loss is is better than the guy who threw no picks and won. I got you. At this point, point, you're Sean O'Hara saying that you'd rather have Jared Allen over Patrick Mahomes. Like, okay, you 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 do realize this is being telecast. Like, people can hear you right now. (laughs) Nick Chase is if they win the Super Bowl, I want Purdy to say, uh, "If you don't like me, fuck off." Just one time, just once, Brock. Go in on the go in on the media. Um, you know what? I, I, he's not, he's too classy to do that. I do that, but he's too classy to do that. We do that. Not Brock. He says, uh, Nick chases, take a shot. Every time Larry says lockstep lockstep. Is that, is that your, is that, is that your, uh, 
your verbal crutch? Do you say lie? I haven't noticed it. I mean, I do more broadcasting <laughs> with you than anybody, and I haven't noticed that you are an abuser of the word lockstep. I used it a lot when I, I used to joke that I, I was in lockstep with um, – uh, the agent for Pablo Sandoval. I forget exactly what his name was, but Javier Vasquez or something like that. I'm in lockstep with Javier Vasquez. I forget exactly what the, the context was, but it was a little radio bit back in the day. But yeah, lockstep. I, I, I wrote down one word, put it in an envelope. It was lockstep. You're staying, you're saying it to me. By the way, have you, you know, it's not, there's a plan for all of our draft picks, Lowry. And yeah, Aiden Hutchinson looks pretty good, but I'll tell you, there was a plan for the development of Trayvon Walker, and it wasn't that it was a bad pick by me, uh, even though Hutchinson's clearly dominant and Walker's kind of just a guy. But, you know, it's yeah. about the defensive coaches, and we got to fulfill that, uh, you know, and we got to see more of that. That's why I'm still here. And yet all of them have been fired. This is why this is, by the way, have you already seen the uh, Trent doing the, are you at odds with Doug Peterson press conference? That's already happened. So Shangri-La could be ending in, in, and he uh, calls him coach. He, I, he does that. He called Harbaugh coach and he calls oh, this guy coach. You know, me and coach have a good thing going. Uh, I know a lot of you guys don't see the magic that coach and I have. Stop. You should see us. When we're sitting around a dinner table, I'd rather not describe the contents of. <laughs> but, um, it was a hell of a game. Niners fans, enjoy this week. You are in the Super Bowl. You're in the Super Bowl. It's it's so fantastic to be in a Super Bowl. I've seen I've seen the Chicago Bears go to two in my life. One was an awful lot of fun. The other was not. The other was in the rain. Yes. Um, you know, it's with is Rex, it, Rex Grossman. You is, guys went to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. Is it better to have loved and lost or never love at all? Was it better? Is it better to go to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman or not go at all? I would choose not go at all. And instead of, a, well, that's actually a good question. Would you rather lose and not ha not lose in the Super Bowl or would you rather go and, and lose in the ultimate game? The uh, Niners were four and oh. They should have been 5-0 and going into that Miami Super Bowl against Kansas City. And they had a 10-point lead against Kansas City. They should The, the Niners could right now um, be 5-0 and in Super Bowls. They are 5-0 and in Super Bowls. I mean, no, no, they're 5-2. and Oh, yeah. Oh, 5 and Yes, yes, yes. Oh, so, so in they the could end, have been, they could have been 7-0. and Hoosiers get to the championship game. They're going to win it. And then... They lose to Maryland. So it's not, you know, that that blemish on the perfect in the championship round record hurt a little. Look at it this way. Having lost two Super Bowls in a row, I give you my professional advice. Don't make it three in a row. Don't make it three in a row. The quest for that. Here's the thing. You know, in all the years. I got to get this one. This is the one they got to get. Up to it, we've heard some about quest for six. Hashtag quest for six. Quest for six. It feels like they put that away. They put that away a little bit, and now if you get the six, just celebrate it. But, the, I mean, you're four quarters away from another Lombardi trophy. Go get it. Go get it. It's good It's good for the city. It's good for a whole bunch of people. What, getting on BART and coming to downtown San Francisco if there's a parade that goes up Market Street? It's good for 
our channels, Larry, I mean, in, in classic Ray Ratto fashion, if you're going to root for anyone, root for yourself. And it is in our best interest that the 49ers win this Super Bowl. And look, they could go do it. But boy, do they have a hell of an opponent in their way. One of the greatest individual immovable objects in football history is Patrick Mahomes. What, he, gets, he gets sacked for the first time in like. Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. The guy's got a great arm. He's got mobility. He's competitive as hell. He's got a great play caller. He's got a great defense. I mean, he's special. He, he's, special. he's, he's, he's him. He's him. Um, I, I will say this. Maybe the most enjoyable week looking back on my career was the week that we spent in New Orleans. And even though the Niners lost and it made that very bitter at the end, um, and I couldn't wait to get out of New Orleans. I, mean, I Seriously, the difference between the New Orleans airport and SFO is like the difference between, you know. Uh, Limousine service and a Greyhound bus. You know, the, uh, the outhouse and the penthouse. I mean, seriously, in that, I don't know if it was just because it was that corridor of the New Orleans airport, but you remember that morning, people sitting on the ground, tw lines for the bathroom that were like 45 people long. All kinds of, I mean, just ridiculous overcrowding in their overcrowded airport. You get to SFO, there's like gigantic bathrooms with like 70 stalls, nobody in them, mid-morning. You know what I mean? It was like unbelievable. SFO was just like a ghost town compared to the New Orleans airport. But, um, you know, I digress. But no, I, I, I was just saying that you, they they got to get this one done. Uh, to me, this was, that was the most enjoyable week just hanging out in new Orleans and partying. And I, I am dedicated and committed to partying more this week in Vegas and doing more and crazier stuff and better stuff and more content. We are going to put out so much content on the Krug show. Almost everybody that I collab with, I'll be, I'll be doing stuff with in Vegas. Damon and I will be staying, um, and doing all kinds of shows every morning, uh, partying at all hours of the night. I've got all kinds of party contacts. Uh, we're, we're, it's going to be incredible. We are going to, we're going to bring you some of the most amazing content, uh, that you've ever seen this so week stay, in new Orleans. So stay in lockstep with us. Be in lockstep. <laughs> be in lockstep. Be in lockstep. Be in lockstep. And, and, and you know what? The people that want to talk about lockstep, I'll drink a shot with you in Vegas. The lockstep monster. Yes. And and my good friend, Sean Cunningham, I was told John Dickinson said that Cunningham is dialed in on every Super Bowl party there is in Vegas. And he's a good friend of mine. So we will we will be all over every major party with all kinds of video. You got to remember that the phone has become the traveling uh, television studio and we will bring you. We will be charged and ready and bring you ridiculous amounts of killer content. Or it'll be the two of us doing shots at Circus Circus. Tune and even the then, that will be great content. <laughs> Larry, it's been a hell of a year, and the year, thank goodness, it ain't over. So let's go to Super Bowl. Let's go to Las Vegas. We're going to Vegas, baby. Vegas. Go to Vegas. Thanks so much. Road trip. I'm bringing Kev. I'm like pulling him out of school. Yeah, I told. I I told Cal Paul he's taking a final early, Damon, to get out to Vegas. I told Kevin. He said, Damon, I got I got I got a uh, final on Wednesday. I'm like, skip it and flunk out. It's the Super Bowl. Who gives a shit? Get expelled. Come to the Super Bowl.
Good advice from Uncle Damon. Yeah, you're going to make more money on YouTube anyway, kid, than this construction management thing you're doing. So just, you know, just don't worry about that and just bail out of school. We're going to opening day. It's that kind of a day, that kind of a week. We're going to have such a big, we're going to, we're going to shots, all kinds of, uh, you name it. We're going to every major party. We're filming it. We're going to interview celebs. Um, it's going to be an epic week, drinking, debauchery, the whole thing. There you go. Drinking and debauchery are two major sponsors for all Think about this way. Sponsors. We went off the chain when we had bosses and rules. Now we have no bosses and no rules. And we're in Vegas. It's going to be good. Good, you know. As Steve P would say, Damon. Oh wait, hold on. I can do that. Pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it. And indeed. Oy, oy, oy! And we have all reached. Maximum. And can we have some Dan Campbell? Oh! Come on, Dees. Dees nuts. Yeah, he's holding them this morning. He really is. How about you? You have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. <laughs> Last <laughs> night, play that one again. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. Last night, the great Ryan Smith on our post game show said, I'm not sure how to respond to that. Is that Dan Campbell saying that he's going to physically attack? Uh, people that have special needs. Right. Is he just going after <laughs> cripples? What's he doing? I mean, what's going on there? Oh, man. Dan Campbell. Hey, you know what? We talked about the experience factor. And all week long, when it came down to talking about the coach, the coaching breakdown, all anybody wanted to talk about was that Dan Campbell was ballsy as hell for going for it and that Shanahan can't manage a game. And then here we get into the actual game. And Dan Campbell gacks all over himself. And and will anybody talk about it now? I mean, really, last night was a big, big Niner comeback aided by Dan Campbell's inexperience. You know what you're about to find out and see today over the next handful of days paying attention to the national media? You're going to see that there is no there there, either buoying up or ripping apart Detroit. Not enough people care one way or another for it to be a topic that you stay on for too long. But the 49ers, oh, that's a firebrand. You can burn down the whole forest talking about them. So people will. Um, it's going to be a hell of a run, man. It's going to be a hell of a run. Larry, I got to get ready for my 11 o'clock show. Uh, it is going to be a good one. And I'm going to tell you that Nick Wright has told me he is coming on the plus this week. And now that we got... Uh, Mahomes versus Purdy. It's going to be the right week to get him on. Uh, lots of great guests. And again, it's only going to get better when we get to Las Vegas. Thanks for everything, brother. In this first year for me over here on YouTube, eclipsing over 16,000 subscribers with an awful lot of your help and an awful lot of your audience has found me through you. And I appreciate everyone. And I know I've pissed some of you off along the way, but that's what I do. And hopefully that's why you're going to be back because we're not just going to feed you the things that you want to hear. We might piss you off telling you a few things you need to hear, and that'll make everybody a good fan. So You know, Damon you. does a decent show. He asks, you know, he'll ask a tough question, Lowry. There's no question Damon will ask me a, a tough question. He asked me about Thanksgiving side dishes a couple years ago on 95.7, the game out there in, in uh, San Fran. Uh, I'll tell you that, Lowry. But you know what? 
at his core, you know, Damon Bruce is a real, the way I'm a real football guy, you know, Damon's a real radio man. You know, you know what I mean, Lowry? You know, there's, there's one thing that is missing in Las Vegas. <laughs> And that's in the Michis. I don't know where I'm going to go get a nice cup of minestrone should the 49ers get this done. Uh, will I have any wings in order to enjoy, again, the, the atomic? The <laughs> I told Peter, you got to be in Vegas. I mean, you could be across from the ballpark, but come on. Downtown San Francisco's dirty. It's expensive. I told him, don't, you can't just be on Union Street. You got to be everywhere. You got to be in Vegas. Ike's in Vegas. Why aren't you in Vegas? I told Tom, I told Tate, we should be in Vegas. A Michi with the bird crust in person. Perfect spot. It's flat pizza, but it's good. Who will send more hosts to Las Vegas? A station that claims to be the biggest sports station in town or wake up with Damon and Larry? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Who will get more views? Who, Who will get more views in Vegas? I'm I'm putting up a million views. Who this will week. cover the Super Bowl better? Two stations backed <laughs> by million-dollar companies filing for bankruptcy, or the two of us on a per diem that we're, we're – uh, basically, it's us. Who's paying for your trip to Vegas? Well, we are. What are you going to do there? We're going to do better than most radio stations. That's what I know for sure. So join us. Like we have sponsors that are paying us to go to Vegas. We have uh, – we're going to have over a million views of our content in Vegas um, and we're doing it all for, uh, for you, for you. I will go into nightclubs. I will go into bars, sports books, but fancy hotels. Audience. You'd rather I'm not, not doing it for myself. The audience. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. I've always heard you're a generous lover, Larry. So I, you know, come on, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. For you guys, I, you think I want to go to these clubs? You think I want to hang out on the strip and gamble and and party and throw back shots and do high fives and with Niner fans and you know photo ops and all? You think I want to do that? No, I don't want to do that. No, That's a good question though. Which doing state, it for you? One or the other that claim the most? Here's the thing: forget about claiming the most. Go start counting them on YouTube right now and tell me who's got the most. Ta-da! Over hey, eleven hundred hey. people in the in the room right now. Two and a half hours in. We got to wrap uh, it up, baby. That's you know. Yeah, I would say <laughs> I don't like to laugh at anybody, but you know, at the same time, uh, angels fly because they take themselves lightly. <laughs> Damon thought he was going to be the next me. Now he's a YouTube star. Look at him. He didn't get me, Damon. <laughs> I, I told you there's only one Ralph Roo. Only one Ralph Roo. You'll never have the Miata that I had. You're not going to your Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame. You'll just walk by it in the airport one day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we better bolt for the door because it's Monday. I got to review the film. And then I got to talk to Coach about Trayvon Walker and why I took him over Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, you guys are idiots. I'm smart. You guys are all fired. I got an extension. Uh, go Jags. And I, I hope to see you, Lowry, Damon, uh, in New Orleans. I'll be there accepting an award for Mediocre GM of the Year. Uh, and I really do appreciate all you guys hanging on the Krug Show and the Ploose. Uh, I never miss a Ploose. 
I wrote it down. I wrote it down in an envelope tomorrow. Tune into the Palouse, everybody, and go Niners. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you gon' get exactly what you asked for. Careful, 